Alright, here we are back again for another week at the barbershop, playersvoice.com. I am your host, Mark Gray, joined by my right-hand man, who's actually on my right hand today, Demar Johnson. How you doing today, buddy? Not too good, man. Not, not a good weekend. Rough week. You're going to have your own segment this week, man. <laughs> this is the Demar Johnson Barbershop this week here. The man behind the scenes, A1. How you doing this week, brother? I'm great. I just want to ask real quick, can we put the narrative of... um. Oh, the not beating a team with the winning record. Can we put that to rest? Or yeah, I mean okay. that's yeah. Year two and a half we've been starting. Absolutely, that, that's good. And then we welcome back for two weeks in a row. Looks like you found a new gig, Lamont Jordan. How you doing today, buddy? Good, sir. Good to see y'all. Good, good, good. Glad to have you back. Um, we got barbershop beef right across the aisle from each other. We got DJ and A One team going head to head. So we'll get into that later. Um, before we get into the NFL, real quick. Um, the sports world lost two stars this week. Um, a one guy who was young in his career was just getting ready to take off, and uh, another one who was actually a golf legend. And I found out a lot more about him this week than I already knew. One of the biggest names in sports and golf in Alma Palma passed away. And again, um, for excuse me, what's his name? The baseball player? Jose Fernandez uh, tw- uh, passed away at the young age of 24. And also... Um, you know, it seemed like he was on the verge of being one of the best pitchers in baseball. And it's just such a sad story to hear that a guy who was tried to defect from Cuba three different times did all of that on a raft and, you know, all that only to die on a luxury boat, you know, uh, at a young age of 24. Um, that's always sad. And again, um, just over the past week, hearing all the greats talk about and the respect that they have for Alma Palmer in the golf game and essentially saying, if not larger than equally as influential in golf as Tiger Woods to this generation. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't definitely wasn't watching golf at that time, um, but I just know all the respect that you know guys been paying him since I've been paying attention to golf. He, you know, obviously he's one he's one of the greats and he's well respected by you know everyone. They said he was the one who basically made it take golf and made it business savvy, and and you know brought in the sponsors and brought in the, just to the fact which is, I had no idea not in a million years but I've guessed that you know how much money he made last year no 40 million how that's how big in endorsements and stuff wow. that he is so that just lets you I mean that's that's he was the third highest retired only behind well, I guess obviously didn't count Floyd in that but only behind Jordan and um who was the other one other tire, uh, retired baseball uh, uh, player it was behind Jordan and can't remember who the other one was was the it third, Peyton Probably didn't count Peyton because he was retired for the whole year. He played. It was uh, I can't remember. Yeah, it was Brian Jordan and, and, and one other person in terms of the uh, highest-grossing athletes. And uh, oh, David Beckham. Okay. So I mean, anytime your name is mentioned in that breath, yeah. you know, and mind he hasn't he hasn't won a, a tour event they said since '75. Yeah. You know, which was five years before we were even born. He hadn't won a major. So I mean, that's 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 just impressive. And and then on the flip side, you know, anytime you hear about anybody losing their life at the age of 24 and having a bright future. That is also sad. Um, I'm sure neither, none of us really have much to say other than just out of respect, you know, sorry to hear about that. And, you know, the baseball community lost a great player. I mean, you don't know anything. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know much about him. Just, I mean, seeing the story on TV, um, seeing the kid last night who hit his first home run, he was emotional running around the bases. Um, and, I mean, I, I can imagine how them, how them guys are feeling. I mean, everybody, you know, is crying about it. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, 
let's get into well actually ba- one one ba- basketball news before we get into it uh a hall of famer decides to hang it up any kg stories for us um yeah i do got a, i do got a kg story um actually my my first time playing against kg he um you know before the game when you you dapping everybody up kg pounds my fists like like really hard and 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 i look at him and he was like yeah look at the devil so I'm just, I'm just to myself, I'm just laughing like, man, this dude is crazy. And, and then, like, after I had my accident, he was, like, the only guy that who didn't know me had my number directly. He emailed me through the Hawks email, I guess, because he went through that with Malik Silly, who died in a car accident, who was a friend of his and a teammate. And he was just, you know, you know, wishing me, you know, hoping I'd get back and was, you know, was saying that, you know, he, you know, he know he's been through that or whatever. And. He reached uh, really, out to you after the car accident? Yeah. And you didn't even really have a friendship of, to speak of with him? Nah, not at that point. Nah, I didn't. But um, great guy. One of my favorite players of all time. And had, you know, had a great career. Daddy did. Um, I remember, I personally never been one of my um, one of my favorites. Um, I just don't know why, really. Uh, a lot of, I felt like a lot of tough guy antics with not a lot of tough guy actions following them. That's just personal, but that 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 being said, uh, we were having a discussion. I think it was two or three weeks ago, and I said that um, I thought Chris Webber was the most talented power forward we'd ever seen, and you said Kevin uh, KG. At to which point, I pretty much have to agree with you. You know, right. in terms of skill set, being that tall, that 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 ability to put the ball on the floor and do everything, uh, basketball IQ from all from from the smartest people in the NBA, they hide him, they hold him to the highest regards, defensive, leader, all of that stuff. So can't do anything but can't do anything but tip your hat to him. And it's, it's been a great career. And um you know, I, I do kind of wonder if we if you got the most out of it, because I do think he was that ridiculously talented. Yeah. Um one league MVP, also in a time though with a Shaq and Kobe era and a lot of a lot of great players, but great player. Great yeah. player. No, nothing but re- nothing but re- uh respect for him. Another another um basket anything to say about KG? Boogie, I'm a huge KG fan. I like his, I like I'm a huge KG fan. I like his energy. Uh, he was always exciting to watch, yeah. and um, you know I think that he's one of the last few guys that are left from, in my opinion, the greatest era of, of, of sports. When you talk about all sports during the era era that we came up in, and I know for you, I know for me, being on the field against Deion Sanders, somebody that I watched that was an older guy. Um, I know that had to have been a heck of an experience for you to be able to be on the same court as as somebody as a KG. So uh, he will be missed. I don't think that there will be another KG to to ever come along. And um, you know, he he played the game the way the game was supposed to be played. Um, and 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 you know, I think that he's definitely going to be missed. Right. Yeah. Really unique guy, talented and played hard. It's not it's not often you get guys who are that talented who also played that hard. Usually the guy who plays hard, the guys who aren't that talented. He did both. He wants to win. Yeah. You know, that's the thing for him is that, look, he just wants to win. So, What were you going to say, DJ? Um, yeah, another basketball story is um, if you think about the Chris Bosh thing. Yes. I wanted, yes, I, I actually had that down to talk about. Never seen anything like that. And um, it, it sounds like a lot of politics and business and I, I, you never want to side with the with the team, 
right? You always want to choose players where obviously the name of the website is Players Voice. And, you know, a lot of my friends are players. But I, I, I get what the Heat are saying. If, if they're legitimately concerned about his health, if that's what, if this is about money, then that's, that's, I'm not a fan of that. Right. But if this is about like, we're not trying to have a Reggie Lewis sort of situation on our watch. If that is their sole purpose, then I'm with them. Yeah, I agree. Cause during, during the playoffs when he's trying to, he wanted to play. Mm-hmm. He felt like he was healthy and the team's like, nope, we're not doing it. We're not letting him play at that time. I'm like, man, the team is wrong and LeBron left and, you know, Dwayne Wade left and there's something funny going on over there where they, they need to, you know, get, get that together. But now when him, him fell in the physical, now it's to a point where, like, you gotta, you gotta look out for your health. You gotta be there, you know, for your family. And if, if, if playing this game is gonna risk your life, it's not worth it. Yeah, if, if that's, that's, that's what I'm, if, obviously that's what the Heat are gonna say. Yeah. You know, and if that is the truth, now obviously there might be stuff behind closed doors that we don't know anything about. But at a certain point, you know, it's a great guy. He's made a fortune already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, you just kind of say, not on our watch. You know, it, it's not gonna happen here. That's not what we want to happen. Period. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, we'll never know what the thing is. But failing a physical, that tells you something. Yeah, it does. Especially when the team is insane for a while now. You're not, you're not ready to play. Yeah. I, 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 look, you have any thoughts on that? You know, it, it's tough. Um, you know, when, when, when the time is up and you're not ready in your heart and in your mind, you're not done. From a physical standpoint, you know, it's just, it's just not smart to continue to go. Um, you know, just being an athlete and, and Slim, I'm sure that, that you've gone through this or you could still be going through this now. You know, I've been out the league now for six years, but I still got that thirst. I still got that hunger. I still have that desire to play. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can handicap you. Sometimes it, it, it kind of locks you into, um, a position where, you know, you're not getting anything done because you have this thing that you have wanted to do your entire life. You worked your entire life to get there. Mm-hmm. And to not be able to walk out on your own terms is something that I think that each athlete who doesn't get the opportunity to walk away on his own terms is just something that you go through. Uh, it's a reality and a fact of life. Um, I don't think it's any different than any other occupation that you've worked hard, you put in all this work, but mm-hmm. physically you can just no longer do it. It's a threat to your health. So. It's a tough situation, but I wish him and his family all the best. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, right now I feel like I still can play and wish I, you know, was out there playing. But for him, for him, it's like he, he, his head should be high. He's an all star. He got two championship rings. He's done pretty much, you know, everything that he, he can do in the sport. Now, as far as now, only thing left over is trying to find, get more rings, which it's going to be hard for him to do in Miami. And um, and just going out there and putting more wear and tear in his body because he's already reached the top. What do you think the odds of some team bringing him in, and signing him? I mean, I'm sure there's 32 doctors. Yes. You know, somebody's going to say, "Absolutely, we'll get him in here and we'll sign him." Well, well, we got to see how that goes with with his contract because at that point, I mean, you got to trade for him. You don't have to pay him some ridiculous amount yeah, of money. Some, some something crazy, and I mean, the team's got the money now. He's going to have to really go see some doctors and get some different opinions. I remember after I came back from my car accident, even though I was healthy and I took x-rays for 100 different teams, I'm like, yo, it's going to say the same thing. Like, I'm good. Right. But they, they still they still want to, you know, check you out thoroughly. 
make uh, sure you're okay. Well, your situation was because you never came back and played again for the Hawks, correct? No. Right. So I would imagine the second go around, everybody wants to see the x-ray of your neck. Yeah. And whether your neck is can hold up and whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And then at any point in time, did you ever feel like, man, you guys just don't, like, this has to be more about my neck? I know it had to be frustrating. Yeah, I mean, after the initial, after I first was cleared to play, I felt like, all right, I'm cleared. And after I took, you know, the x-rays after I was cleared, they look at them x-rays. You know, it ain't going to change. I'm going to be good. Like, everywhere I go, I shouldn't have to keep taking the same x-rays on my neck. We're like, yo, look at the last film. It's going to say the same thing. And you probably wanted, I'd imagine you were cleared to play and felt like you could have played while still in a Hawks jersey, correct? Absolutely. I was cleared to play, to do physical stuff by the end of that year. They just wasn't going to take a chance on putting back in. And I know that had to be, being at that young, that had to be ridiculously frustrating. Yeah, I couldn't wait for the next season to start. Yeah, I, yeah. The best goes out to uh to Chris Bosch, and we and we wish him the best. And but like you said, and everybody says, and it's easy for us to say is you know put your health first. Yeah. And, you know, you just want to hope that he's putting his health first. Yeah. Um, before we get to the NFL, uh, your team again, LSU decides after two and two they've seen enough and they fire their head coach. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? Um, well, shoot, they 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 kind of. Fired him, then didn't fire him last year. Yes. Which was weird. Interview, they, no, they interviewed other people yeah. for the man's job <laughs> yeah, yeah. while he still had a job. Bring him back only to fire him, you know, four weeks into the season. Do you, do you agree with the firing? Are you, I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is like, you put up his numbers and they're, they're as ridiculous. good as anybody. They're ridiculous. Yeah. I think his winning percentage is like 73%. Yep. Uh, he's got more of this and that and this and that than anybody not named that one man. Yeah. And essentially it's like at a certain point, you kind of feel like, it's about that one man. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it, it's that my question always is, is, are you bringing him here? You right. know, like we say this in NFL all the time when people are, oh, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's not. Are they coming here? And it's like, no. Well, then what's the point of, you know what I mean? So just firing somebody because they're not Nick Saban mm. when Nick Saban isn't coming here anyway. Mm. So what What do you think? I mean, are you supporting the, the firing? Are you against the firing? Um. I understand. I understand. I mean, he, he's done a lot for LSU. Won, won a lot. Um, like you say, more than anybody probably within that time is the Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Got the most players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Top, top high school class coming in every year, the top three, top five. But I think what, what, what people are getting tired of is the offense isn't exciting enough. And you got all these, these, these players coming in there with all this talent. And the offense just isn't exciting. They want to see more exciting football. They feel like other coaches are just kind of growing with with the game. And he's a stubborn guy that's stuck in his ways and just going to be, play how he wants to play. And they, they're just getting tired of it. Here, here's my, my thought on this, and it's actually bigger. And it's one of the reasons that I'm not a huge college football fan is that – and, Lamont, you can speak to this after I finish – I feel like college football, one, is ran by these boosters and these fans that, and it shouldn't be that way. And that it's such a sense of entitlement. It's like this upper country club mindset that you are just entitled to national championships every year. And that there's no such thing as a slightly down year. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as, the fact is, is that Alabama is on top right now. And, that just is what it is. And, you know, this idea that you're entitled to beat them or that you're going to beat them every year or this is unacceptable, 
you know, it, it's just kind of, kind of hard to bite. And as a, I grew up one as a Maryland, I, I grew up as a Miami fan and we've had two different eras since I've been alive of greatness. And then outside of that, it's just bad. It's been bad. It's yeah. been down. Then I go to Maryland and we don't have a football program really per se. Knock, knock my man Lamont. But you know, I don't feel like we're just entitled. To, so when you go to Maryland and you know, a six win season is pretty good. You kind of laugh when you look at these programs that are like, Oh, 10 wins, just not going to cut it around here. You know, and it, whether it's these Texas, whether it's Notre Dame, whether it's Michigan, and it's just such an upper excellence of entitlement, right. USC, that you should at all times, at the, at the end of the day, only one team wins a national championship. Yeah. And I, I just don't agree that everybody is entitled to that. You know, a 73% winning percentage at LSU is a hell of a winning percentage. They're competitive every year. They're, they're, they're a, a national powerhouse. And you know, as you sit back at a guy like like a guy from Maryland, we would die to have LSU's worst season. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Know, you know what I mean. So it, it's kind of like the rich. It's kind of like the rich people who keep getting rid of the Jaguar because ah, I just don't like it. You, you know what I mean? And it's just like wow, you know, that's there's a lot of teams and programs out there that would love to have LSU's problems. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100. percent But when you when you got to play against Saban every year, and you got to play in that tough conference and you you you're not getting it done year after year. They they you know they want to go what was hot. They feel like these high power teams are scoring all these points is, is the way to go. And I feel like we've been doing that down there at Miami ever since 2002. Every year it's a new era. It's a new era. And it's, you know every time we turn around, there's a new coach. The guys there three years, and then we're bringing in a new coach, and it's just you know, it's I don't think it happens that way. Because a guy said something earlier today. He was talking about. The talent that they've had, they've had, they had Jarvis Landry, Beckham on the same team, and like you know, you barely know who these guys is in school, and then you know Beckham goes to the league, and you know one of the best receivers in the league, and Jarvis Landry's doing all of this, and you know, and they didn't really get the chance to really shine or show their talents in LSU like that because they run, run, run. Yeah, I mean that that I agree, with, but it, but it's easy to say this team had this person on and that person on it, and then that's putting something in a vacuum. Like we can say. Man, can you believe that their team had Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and they lost? Like, yeah, well, the other team had LeBron James, <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Like, you know, so saying yeah. what LSU had, is, is you're only telling half the story because Alabama had, you know, guys right. as the backup running back who are first-round draft picks right. and stuff like that. So right. it's not just about LSU. LSU doesn't go out there and scrimmage. They play other teams that yeah. are also equally loaded. Yeah, no, I agree. Lamont, your thoughts on, you know, you, you know more than any of us on the hierarchy of how college football works. What are your thoughts of this? I think the move was a move saying that he's pretty much maximized and you've maximized what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. Um, and you know, <clears throat> that sense of entitlement, you know, when, when the main thing that's bringing your university notoriety is your football program and, and this is what's bringing in the big buck. People in that area, if they're used to winning, that's what they want to see. They want to see winning. And I think that this move, uh, I think you said it stemmed that, you know, they kind of sort of fired him last year. So um, he'll find another job. I think he'll find another job easy. Uh, he'll get paid a whole lot of money. But that's just the reality of college mm-hmm. football. I think as they move to a bigger playoff system, I think, you know, maybe going to eight teams would be – would be ideal. I think that you'll find that more that more of these coaches will keep their jobs longer because now it's not just about winning the national championship. Now it's hey, 
you know, it's not, oh, we lost one game, so our season is over. Right. You know, for that's the reality for a lot of colleges. So <clears throat> I think as, as they work through this playoff format, I think that you're going to see coaches. You, you, you'll see schools be a little more patient with coaches. Yeah. I think he's going to get another job very easy. He's going to get paid a lot of money. And and something else I heard was, I guess he, he, he kept the same offensive coordinator, Cameron, which they wanted to see go. And he was basically like, nah, I'm Keep my same guy and do it the way I, I've been doing it. And that was based off of, again, Alabama, because everybody saw him bring in Lane Kiffin, this yeah. young. And so everybody says, wow. And, and he brought in Sarkeesian just to help out. Right. So the people <laughs> are saying, he brought Lane Kiffin in. He's evolving. He's got young, new people. And you yeah. keep running the same office. It's like there's so much has to do with, with, um, with Alabama. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like the whole thing goes to do about being Alabama. You know, it's like it's like the whole BMW factory just cons- consistently worried about what's going on at Mercedes. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, make your BMW, let them be Mercedes, and, and you know, you do things your way, but it, it can't be every single year. Everybody in Texas thinks they're entitled to a national championship. Everybody in Notre Dame thinks they're entitled to a national championship. Everybody in Michigan thinks they're entitled to a national championship. Everybody at USC thinks they're entitled to a national championship. And then you can insert Auburn and Alabama and the fact, and, and then now Florida or Florida State situation. And the thing is, everybody can't always win. And all these programs are great. In, in, in the defense of the school, LSU has more talent on offense than Alabama does. Okay. And you, and you gotta, you gotta maximize that. I mean, I, I say, you know, a draft, a mock draft earlier in the year and it had like, Fournette one, and our safety was like five or six, and we got these tall, fast receivers. Our quarterback play isn't great, but we got more talent than Alabama. They just get more done. Right. And, and anything else to say about about that, Lamont? Before we move on, well, you look at Alabama. Um, you know, just look at Nick Saban's history. He's just he's been a winner. Yeah. You know, he, he brings in Lane Kiffin. Um, you lose one of your top recruiters. Uh, He's now a defensive backs coach at, at, at Maryland. But and you replace him with Mike Loxley, a guy who left Maryland, who's arguably one of the best recruiters in the nation. Now you bring him in. But you also have to have a program that is willing to be patient with you while you go through these changes. And if you're competing with Alabama, then you need to be able to stay on top with Alabama. And if you're not, then chances are you're going to lose your job. That's just the reality. I forgot about Loxley. That's another guy who was also a head coach. You got head coaches just walking around over there. Yeah. yeah. As yeah. Court, as guys helping out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who's the equipment manager? Oh, he used to be the head coach at, you know what I mean? Like, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of, uh, I mean, Alabama just has <clears throat> talent and everything. You know, th- they do. And not being Alabama is not a bad thing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it just isn't. Go ahead, Boogie. No, I'm saying, you know, when, Nick Saban is your coach, and he has the, the, the history that he has. You know, you're trying to compete against that. The SEC, to me, the SEC is, is college football by itself. There's the SEC, and then there's everybody else. That's just the way I look at I'm it. I'm glad you think that, because I, I argue with, with – you're not even an SEC guy. I argue with guys all the time, and they like, the SEC is overrated and this, this. I'm like, they beating up on each other all year. Yeah, they beat up on each other MG and I used to always have this conversation. I can't stand that whole West Coast, Pac-12, Pac-10, all that kind of stuff. To me, it's overrated. It's about the SEC and then everybody else falls into play. I mean, that's just the reality of the way it is. Alabama, LSU, 
Florida, South Carolina. Georgia. I mean, Georgia. I mean, come on. Just those five schools alone is shutting down everybody else. So, um, you know, I'm sure LSU will find, you know, whoever they bring in, he's going to have some big shoes to fill because you can't come in there and think that you're going to win six or seven games and Man, keep you your can't, job. You can't you lose three games. You can't lose four. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you lose three. Yeah, yeah. You might be out yeah. after your first year. Yeah. So, you know, that's just the way it is. That's college football. That's the business of college football. And, you know, that's just the reality. Hey, well, we got some questions. I can't, I can't see the questions. Only. No. Definitely some wrote it through lines. Just, just comments, nothing important. Yeah, Oral Henry, <laughs> okay. you know, you know, hey, man, you know, Oral, he, he's, he's, he was saying whatever y'all saying. Not, not important. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking whatever you they, said. They did say it was hard to hear you, DJ. So if you could speak up a little bit. Oh, it's hard. All right. The mic's all the way over there now. Tony E said three with a question mark, and he said you can't lose two. And I think, you know, that may be a point, too. You know, mm-hmm. you lose two games, you. You're not even. I don't even think you're playing in the SEC championship. But it's crazy it when now these, some of these teams we see. It seems like more than ever now you got guys like you know Alabama schedules USC week one. Mm-hmm. You know other teams are out here playing people week one and week two. Now they always say it's better to lose early mm-hmm. than late. You know because you get it out of the way. But like you said, we definitely live one and you're on thin ice. Right. You know you lose week one and you got to run the table. Right now, unless you had to go to Wisconsin to play to Lambeau to play Wisconsin. And in week one, in Wisconsin, just beat Michigan State at home last week. They're the eighth-ranked team. And and actually, that win, I thought, would have made that loss look a lot better. But then they lose at Auburn, which Auburn isn't great. But it's still not easy just to go in there. No, absolutely not. Abs- absolutely, absolutely not. DJ, um, Tony Twitty, Tony Twitty said uh, LSU does not have more talent than Alabama. He said offensively. Offensively, they, they absolutely do. Absolutely. Best running back in the country. Two really good receivers and a backup running back is probably better than every running back that's on um on LSU. I mean on, on Alabama also. I think when you look at Alabama, I, I think about to me Alabama is the Patriots of college football. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the way I look at it. Other teams may have talent, but this Alabama team has a system. One thing that you know about playing Alabama is that you're going to play a very physical team. That team since Saban has gotten there. There's one thing that you know about playing Alabama is that you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit from the time the ball is kicked off to the end of the game. And that's the reputation that Alabama has built. And and Coach Saban has done a great job of maintaining that reputation. If there's one thing that I see with sports, especially in college football, um, when you're constantly changing coaches and you're you're making all these changes, you have no identity. Mm -hmm. Everywhere that Nick Saban goes, he has an identity. His football teams are physical, they're disciplined, and they want. Only thing I, I think that's different about what you just said is with the Patriots, they don't need the best guys. Mm-hmm. They, like you say, they have their system. Mm-hmm. Alabama's bringing in five stars year after year. They got guys, they got pros just sitting on the bench, just waiting for their chance to, to get on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, a lot of teams have pros sitting on the bench waiting for their chance to get on the field. Yeah. But Alabama has a way of going about doing things where, hey, if you don't get your job done, then there's somebody that's going to come in and get it done. There's right. no favorites. It's, right. it's about doing your job and winning, which is the same thing as right. the Patriots, and we talked about that with the Spurs also. Right. You have a job to do, you come in and do your job, and if you do your job, we'll come out with the W. Agree. Okay, so I was just reading the um, comments because I don't believe anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just stupid, man. 
Uh, uh, no POV, man. People ask about uh, POV, man. That's, another, <laughs> that's a topic for another day, Lamont. This dude out there running around telling people that you guys were best friends in high school. <laughs> Which is weird because I never met the dude. <laughs> but somehow you and him were best friends. And to this day, you guys are still best friends. And I've never seen the guy or heard of him. But um, anyway, getting into the NFL where A1, tell us those picks from last week. Who who came out uh, with the most wins? Uh, you did at nine and seven. Thank I you. thought he said it was eight and eight. I had to read, I had to adjust that. Oh man! So uh, DJ was six and ten, and Lamont was seven and nine. Mm. No, MG can, I thought know Lamont MG was six can, and ten. Also, I, yeah. After I double checked it, MG so can thank me for one of his victories. Because, I can absolutely that, that Patriots yeah. thing. I yep. mean, but that's the easy pick. I tried to it just definitely not the easy. Pick. I tried to get one up on him. That was not the easy pick. I wonder if they the even favor- they weren't even favorites. They were, they were, they said it was a, um. It was in New England. I just yeah. was trying to get, get one up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, when, cause I was going with, te- Texans up to that point, you know, they were good. T- Texas came out there and looked horrible. We'll start right there on the Thursday night game. And what are, there's two, there's two sides to this story. You know, they always say that this team is just more about the winner or the loser. This one, I've taken away something from both of them. One, not that this is breaking news, but Belichick and New England system, great. Just is. Yeah. Um, regular season wise, this, this is the type of stuff you tip your hat to. Three games, three days to prepare a rookie quarterback for a guy by the name of JJ Watt, you know, and he goes out there and do it. And they essentially, they blew out a team by doing almost nothing, literally nothing on offense. Yeah. Uh, they had no running game and they had no passing game and still find themselves up by 20 points. No, LeGarrette Blunt had a good game at the end. That's, oh, if, okay. see, there, th- that's the stats. That, that's the stats. If you were watching that game up to three quarters, at one point, LeGarrette Blunt had 15 carries for about 30 yards. And then at the end, which is what Lamont can tell you, when you got a guy LeGarrette Blunt size, what happens after that 13, that 20th carry, people oh, just yeah. start moving oh, out the yeah. way. And they, just they, they, you know, them, them eyes start closing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people just start moving out the know, way. Guys, you see form go out the window. You see guys start to hoping that somebody else gets to the man before they do so they don't have to absorb that contact. I mean, as a runner, I've seen it, and you feel it. And once you get to that situation, there's 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 absolutely nothing that you can do. But if it's one thing that, you know, and we talked about this, that Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing against a Houston defense that everybody is saying is, is, has potential to be one of the top defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, they have a game plan. You have a job to do. You go out there and you execute your game plan, and we're going to walk away with wins. That's why, I know from the time that I played with the Patriots, and I've, and I've said this, and I've always said this: whenever they lose games, I look at the players first, because right. the, from my experience, the game plan has been flawless. You come back and you watch the, you come back and you watch film, and it's always didn't we tell you all that they're going to do this, and you don't want to be that player that cost the team the game. Because you didn't do something that Coach Belichick highlighted. If he highlights it and we lose the game because of that, oh, you better bet somebody's head is over. Yeah, and and I mean, and, and some un, some 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 things happen in this game. Two kickoff return fumbles, which put them in great position to score. Like you said, that offense didn't really do much. But there's two sides of that coin, though, right, DJ? Like you say, these put these things happen to the Texans, right? Yeah. And the difference is these things don't happen to the Patriots. Right, no, no. You, you, you know what I mean. So it's like a, a Bill Belichick coach team. You don't see guys back there. It, it just it rarely happens. Obviously, everything happens to everybody. But you know, you say to yourself, as we sit here as fans, and you say, "Man, that's lucky how that happened." And then you start realizing, like the same lucky, whether it's good luck or bad luck, things 
always happen to the same people. Yeah. You, 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 you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So you say to yourself, man, they're lucky. And then you say, this, you kind of, at the end of the year, how many times did we say, wow, Bilicek was lucky because X, Y, and Z happened? And then you'd be like, wow, that, at a certain point, it's not luck. You, you know what I mean? And the same other teams, the things that happen to other teams, like you just don't watch that. And the same thing, like we always say, I hate to beat a dead horse with the Spurs. You know, you just, it doesn't happen. You know, oh, that guy was out of rotation. That doesn't happen on the Spurs. Yeah. You know, this guy fumbled the kick return. That doesn't happen on the, because like Lamont says, if Belichick tells you, listen, anybody drops a punt in here, you're not going to have a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you guess what? And you'd be like, wow, nobody in New England dropped a punt the entire year. And right. you know, the thing what, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. What happened? One, the one guy fumbled the kick return. It wasn't the same guy that fumbled it. It was mm-hmm. another guy that fumbled it the next time. Which led you, which <laughs> leads you to like, right, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, nah, I was saying, was it, it wasn't like, like you said, if you drop it, you're not, you know, returning it again. The next guy fumbled. So what do you do at that point? It was just, it was just a whole bad night for them guys. Yeah, like, yeah but if you, that, you're doing a lot of ball security punt returns next, uh, that, that, that we can practice. But if you think about it, he's one of the few coaches that doesn't kick the ball out the back of the end zone. Right. He's doing it on purpose. So if, if you think about it, one it, yard so line. So if you think about it, you know, it's not luck. This is something that that staff has seen on film. Mm-hmm. And and think about this. If I'm a kickoff return team, and because of the new rules, everybody's kicking the ball out the back of the end zone, then I'm relaxing. I'm expecting this ball to go out the back of the end zone. The Patriots, no, it's not going to be that way. We're not going to. Okay. You wanna, you, you're trying to change the game doing this, that, and the third. So if you, you know, you're trying to. What's happening is I feel like these rules of people are trying to determine and dictate the outcome of the game. They're taking the nature out of football. All right? So what Bill Belichick is saying, okay, well, screw your five yards. What I'm going to do <laughs> is I'm going to kick the ball off, and I'm going to put it in play, and we're going to see which team is going to make the plays. And at the end of the day, the Patriots, they made the plays. And I think that I agree with that because now a touchback is at the 25. Yeah. So the most most times – them guys don't get to the 25. Right. So I'm doing exactly what he's doing. I'm kicking at the one, two yard line and making them bring it out. Yeah. I'm not just going to give you those. Essentially what the NFL has said is we're just going to give you extra free five yards. Yeah. And Bill Chuck said, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, he probably said we do our math and the numbers on it is that the average kick return is somewhere between 17 and 23 yards. And we're going to go with that. Yeah. Not the 25. We're not just going to give you a free five yards. Absolutely. And that's where it's going for them. Go ahead, Lamont. Yeah, it, you know, if they keep if, if they keep not kicking the ball out the back of the end zone and they come up, come up with fumbles, I'm sure that somebody's going to have some type of uh, deflate gate, kickoff gate, or something like that. <laughs> Definitely so, kickoff gate you know, coming. Let's, let's be on the lookout for that. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. But um, the Texans, then on the other flip side of that, the Texans just look bad, like really, really, really bad, all the way to the point that uh, we've talked about this over, numerous times over the last couple of years that we see these blowout games and then in the second half or when the g- people just rack up garbage stats and they didn't even get that. Like, it looks like there's n- no nothing, like no points, no field goals, n- nothing. Nobody's getting any fantasy relevant, like nothing positive coming out of that Houston game at all. <laughs> nah, it wasn't good. It, you know, yeah. Lamar Miller, 21 carries, you know, his longest run is 15 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, top five receiver in the NFL, essentially a non-factor, eight targets, Still doesn't even break 60 yards. Longest reception is 16 yards. Will Fuller, you know, the guy that rookie, everybody was all excited about him. Non-factor. I mean, J.J. Watt, nothing. Non-factor. Yeah, he was nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Nothing. Non-factor whatsoever. Um, I, I'm, I'm, 
as much as high as I'm boosting up New England, and I now as we readjust and recalibrate, I see 13 wins and maybe possibly 14 in the future. I'm going to take Houston down a peg too, and that that I don't think that's that was very unimpressive. No, I agree. I agree. I think um, I think New England's great. I mean, I, I don't think it's in the road for Houston, but that just no, it's not the end of the road, but. That wasn't a good look. That wasn't a good showing for them at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was, that's not, that, 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 that's, that's not a good look. You know, um, we can go on into the next game. What was that next one? Uh, DJ, start, go with my game then? Before y'all do, I want to, um, get to, um, Donnie Gallion. He has a NCAA question. What do you guys think about, uh, preseason rankings and should they do away with them? That's a good question. I mean, so when, so when would you start the rankings? He said, he says week four. Week four? Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I think I think they do their homework, and they take a lot into consideration when they do those rankings. They're not always right, so that's why they change every week. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't just do away with it. I mean, you got to take into account who's coming back, um, who they bringing in, and I don't think they just throw numbers out there. I I I kind of like the idea because I feel like when you there's you find this team and you say, wow, you lost to this unranked team. And then three weeks later down the road, that team's ranked 10. Right. You know what I mean? So you didn't lose to an unranked team. It was just a team that was better than people thought they were. I get that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like this idea that you are I, – I definitely get what you're saying, but I, I kind of like the idea of week four or some at some established point is the first time we get a real uh ranking. But what happens is – when when that team a few weeks later is ranked ten, then they take that into account when they're yeah, rank, when not, they're ranking not, you yeah. the next week. They're like, okay, this loss wasn't as bad as we mm-hmm. initially thought it was. Go but, ahead. Uh, do you have an opinion on it, Lamont? I, I don't think the college football is going to be straight until they get to that eighteen playoff. Um, I think you have to make it fair for everybody to have an opportunity to qualify. You know, and I think if you wait to week four, what you do is you give. I just think that you give it's just so much politics. And I think if you wait to week four, it gives you it gives all the politics and everything that goes on with who who's ranked, you know, how does this team's fan base travel because we want to make sure that because that's for the most part a lot of these bowls, that's that's what they dictate really is, is how does your fan base travel? Mm-hmm. So I think that we're gonna to continue to have this issue with the rankings. Um I love what Alabama does where they come out they come out and they say, okay, we're going to play a USC. And if we used to U- lose to USC and USC goes on to win their conference, then it doesn't look as bad. Mm-hmm. But if you come out there and you lose to a Kent State, then, you know, you know that's kind of it's kind of tough. So uh, it's going to be what it is. College football is, is, is big business. And, and until they really open it up to where a team like a Houston, you know, a team like a TCU, where these teams actually get a chance to compete against the biggest schools, you're going to have this year after year. All right, getting back to um, the NFL, um, the next game we'll go to will be the Tampa Bay uh, Rams. I don't know if any of you guys saw the ending to this game. It was a very disappointing ending to go out like that in the last play of the game. The only way I can really – I was trying to explain it to DeMar earlier, but without showing you footage of it, it's kind of hard to explain. But I just chalk it up to growing pains for Jameis Winston, and I am all in on the Jameis Winston bandwagon, so – I just chalked this game up and probably a couple more this year to just, just growing with our young quarterback. Um, statistically a great game, but you know, made the wrong play a lot of times. Um, 58 passes is a hell of a lot of pass attempts. 
Um, but that that's all I that's all I make of it. And Todd Gurley, it's again, it's it's gonna be a love, it's gonna be a tough year. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize he threw almost sixty times. Yeah, you know, he threw, you know, threw almost sixty times. And I really as as I'm watching, <coughs> as we're watching Prescott, we're watching Dak, we're watching uh, Carson Wentz. You, you just really wonder how bad is Jeff Goff. You you know what I mean? Like Jared, Jared Goff, sorry. Why why? How bad is he that that you don't even feel like he can put him on the field when we're watching young rookie quarterbacks do very well? Well, I don't think that's that, I don't think it's on him at this point. I, I believe they had they had a way they were they they decided they was going to handle him. They was going to bring him along slowly and let him sit back and learn, and then throw him in there instead of throwing him in the fire like some other guys. I mean, I, I've been through that as a player. I watch guys I got drafted with go out there and start. <clears throat> guys who nowhere near as good as me. Go out there and play plenty of minutes and, you know, do whatever they do. My team was like, we're going to bring you along like Tracy McGrady. We're going to, you know, start you slow, slow, and then by your third year, you'll be the guy. Yeah. I mean, I I, I would like to see him. I, I like, I mean, like I said, I, I think would we, too. I think we already know what you have in Case Keelum. Yeah. Um, again, I guess Jeff Fisher probably <laughs> has the luxury that a lot of coaches don't have in that obviously he has the job secure. They're, they're discussing an extension with him. Yeah, so, he's an old school guy. Yeah, so I mean, obviously he must have some stability over there. But I would just like to see him because I, I obviously I do not believe Case Keelum is a long term answer, and I don't think the Rams are in the hunt for the Super Bowl or even the playoffs at this point. So I don't understand and, why not get him out there. Originally, they didn't want to start Carson Wentz. They, they no, they, but they they, they were going to bring him on. Then right. They got rid of Bradford. Um, you know, he he played decent a little bit in preseason, and Dak <laughs> Dak is in there also by default by Tony Romo. Dak is in there by default. Um, I'm start when they first traded Sam Bradford. I read that that the Eagles were punting on this season and just completely calling this season a wash. Yeah. And let's get ready. That's what I thought too. We might be wrong. Yeah, they look really good. <laughs> they they obviously might have seen it. Might be the exact opposite. It might be this kid is ready. We're going to start him now, and we, and if we can get something for Bradford, that'd be even better. But this is our guy, and you know. It might be that they just really thought he looked better than him and he gives them the best shot to win right now and it has nothing to do with, you know, getting this kid ready. It's that they might think he is. And as of right now, as I guess we, you can use that as a time to transition into the next game is that, you know, after Philadelphia, all we kept hearing about was how he was beating up on, you know, the sorry teams. And now he's knocked off Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know? I feel like, I feel like, I don't think that they just knew he was ready like that. I think they kind of lucked up in it. I think he's really pleasantly surprised them. And with their defense playing the way they've been playing and as poised as he looked, um, I think they just, now they, now they're looking at themselves as, okay, you know, we can actually, you know, win this year. Before, I don't feel like they were thinking that way. Think about this for the Eagles franchise. You go through, you go through what you, what you went through with Chip Kelly. Pretty much just, just destroyed your team. <laughs> he did. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, for lack of a better word, definitely just and came so in there and destroyed the team. You sign a new coach. He brings in Sam Bradford to give you some, some stability. You draft the quarterback with your first pick. And then you trade Sam Bradford for another first pick. And I think it was a first and a fourth or a first and a play. First and a condition. It was something that was just downright ridiculous. So when I look at the Philadelphia, yeah, when I look at the Philadelphia, um, you know, 
coming into the season, I thought that they would finish at the bottom of the NFC East. Mm-hmm. But if you look at what that organization is doing right now, uh, they, 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 I mean, sh- just those, just what they did with the quarterback position alone is, 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 is I, I think it's good for the Philly fans mm-hmm. because we all know how those Philly fans are. Mm-hmm. And if, if the Eagles would have turned out to have two or three more bad seasons, they might have been, they, they probably turned that city upside down. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm excited for them. It was a surprise to me what they did to Pittsburgh. But it is a long season. Uh, we're going to see what happens around week eight, week nine, as teams are able to, to, to get more film on these younger quarterbacks. And on the Rams, and from the standpoint with, with, with the Rams, I like not playing there. You just transition to Los Angeles. That's a lot for a rookie quarterback. Go ahead and let him sit. Let him learn. Get, get a feel of what it's like to be in the NFL. Work through all the nuances of moving to Los Angeles. Um, and just give him some time to focus on being a better quarterback instead of worrying about all the things that come with with playing your first year in L.A. and you as right. a franchise. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like what Will Philly did, too. I would rather, you know, your second-round pick, you know, go out there and get some reps in opposed to playing um, Bradford, which I don't know why they just paid that money to. But then they get offered a first-round pick for him. Man, you definitely can't turn that down. And now you not only do you get the first round pick, you get a chance to you know let this kid grow, and this this turned out great for him so far. It's a lot. All these rookie quarterbacks and young quarterbacks, everything's you know bright and sunny, sunshiny days right now. I, I think you'd be a fool to think that it's just going to be smooth sailings from here. There's there's rough. There's there's four and five interception days coming. No question. But with this kid, he's just watching him. He's making smart throws, man. He's reading blitzes. He's he's running with the ball, you know. He he's not he's not making any any dumb decisions yet, and they're I, coming. I'm pretty sure they're coming, but as of right now, him and Prescott, they look really poised, and and, and their defense is also playing great. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the Steelers. What do we make of the Steelers? Just who you know we were calling a, a very very good team just a week ago, and now we go out here and you know, night and day, ten carries. That's not a Pittsburgh Steelers nine carries really if you look at it, because yeah. Ben had one of them. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Williams, who I believe was probably leading the NFL in rushing, gets eight carries. That's and, and Ben throws the ball forty-four times and barely completes fifty percent of them, and um, no touchdowns, one interception. They just they had no answer for the Eagles. A, f- a friend of mine that's a Pittsburgh fan, which I didn't know this, told me they never win in Philly. And they don't. And I, I didn't know that. I, I said I picked Philly for sure. You know. I mean, I pick I pick Pittsburgh for sure. Philly beat two bad teams. You know, like Pittsburgh is a could be a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking they're gonna win, and you know, his friend was like, "We don't win in Philly for some reason. It's weird." And I guess they're right about that. I don't I don't understand what it is. Maybe okay. I didn't I wasn't aware of that, but yeah. they certainly didn't win there this weekend. And I, I I don't I didn't see that coming, and none of us did. Um, we can go to that next game. Uh, what, what's that up there, Slim? Minnesota, Carolina. Are we missing one? We can go there. Minnesota, Carolina. Uh, another game nobody saw coming. Yeah. Cam Newton. I picked that right. I picked Minnesota in that game. Didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yep. What? What did you see then, Boogie? We'll start there then. That uh, Carolina. If you look, even going back to last year, you look at their games versus Seattle. Anytime they play against a defense that's very physical, they mm-hmm. struggle. Yes, I, I wanted. I'm glad you said that. We'll get to this, DJ. I, I'm beginning to want what I'm thinking and what I'm seeing now is it's like Denver put that blueprint out there. Which is similar to like what you guys did with New England yeah. in terms of just like if you get their physical 
and, and, and you get that pass rush on him, the only way you can stop Cam Newton is put him on his back as much as possible. That dude got sacked 10 times? Eight times. He got sacked eight times. He spent a large part of that game on his back. Okay. And he was getting hit early and often. And I think Denver put that out there that, yo, the only way you're going to stop Cam is hit him and just keep hitting him. Right. And Minnesota has that front seven to do that. I got to really take a good look at Minnesota because their defense is really good. I see, but I haven't really gave them a a good look to really analyze because I don't think they're exciting. I don't like to watch them. Well, AP's not playing. See, the thing is, I think for we've got so accustomed to just saying that AP is the Vikings that I think that there's a lot of things that have gone under the radar that now that Minnesota's more than AP. You know, Terrence Newman out there getting interceptions, man. Yeah. Their defense is good, and that front seven, you know, those two uh, nose tackles they got out front, they got almost 700 pounds yeah. of nose tackle right there up the middle, and, and they're not letting anybody go, go too much anywhere. Scroll up there for me real quick, DJ. Um, Keep going. I want to see the, the new uh, Carolina's rushing. Yeah, Carolina rushes the ball 28 times mm-hmm. for 100 yards, essentially, 105 yards. Yeah. You know, that that, that front line is is – is, is impressive. I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota now on the flip side. For half of that. Yeah, Minnesota goes absolutely nowhere without AP run, running wise. And from a fantasy standpoint, I didn't understand. That's why I was telling people when everybody's rushing to pick up either. I don't think either one of them are good running backs. So I think the, the I think the drop off from AP to those two is beyond steeper than a cliff. But you know, we get Kyle Randolph, uh, Rudolph, excuse me. Uh, Diggs had a quiet day. Yeah, I think I, they, they got a punt return, I believe. Yeah, from uh, what was it Patterson? Yeah, I'm not sure who. I never seen a kid before, but I just oh, okay. want to punt back. Yeah, so uh, I think I think Minnesota's just a lot better than people give them credit for. And Carolina, what to make of that? Uh, I, I I do think that teams are going to take notice. And Cam and Carolina snuck up on a lot of people last year, and they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. Yeah, but you know what? I I will also say with the things that's been going on down in Charlotte this this past week, that could have had something to do with with you know the outcome of this game. But people don't realize that Minnesota's defense has been good for years. Mm-hmm. They never had an offense to support their defense. They're also playing in a division where you have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a while, Chicago, you know, I can't remember the last time Chicago was good, but it was always, you know, Green Bay's at the top, Chicago and Detroit somehow, especially when Megatron was there. Um, and then it was just the Minnesota Vikings. If you stop AP, then you stop the Vikings. But now that they have a quarterback, um, they have a nice wide receiver core. And with the defense that they have with North Turner as their offensive coordinator, I think that this is a team that you really have to pay attention to um, as we go through the season. I mean, they're 3-0. Yeah. yeah. You know, somehow. <clears throat> they're 3-0, so you can't ignore that. And Carolina, you know, 1-2. I don't know who saw that one coming. Speaking of another team that's one or two that nobody probably saw this coming, Arizona goes out there and gets beat pretty bad by Buffalo. And Carson Palmer, once again, he has these, he has these tendency to have these games where he just looks ridiculously bad. Yeah. You know, he throws the ball 50 times, gets intercepted four, sacked five, and pretty much it's just bad all, all game long. Hey, I, I, I was saying before the game that these these are these are the type of games that Rex that Rex, Rex team is gonna win. You're talking trash about them all week. Rex job was on the line. The players aren't responding. 
all he does is talk trash. And I've always thought Rex was a pretty good coach. And I'm like, but I, I would want to play for Rex. I feel like he can get his guys riled up to, to play these kind of games. Now, sometimes they lose games that they should win. But I think this is a big game for them. And I, I was saying before the game, I was like, man, I know I picked Arizona. But I'm like, they could win this game. I, I, Arizona, to me, I'm making this more about Arizona. We we all across the board, not just in here, across the country, were ready to crown Arizona, as Denny Green would say. And I, I'm not so sure that they've earned that just yet. You know what I mean? And Carson Palmer, who, when we stood our top 10 quarterback slim, both of us had, us had him in there. And we actually both even questioned ourselves, like, you know, can you really put him in there after one great year? But the year was great. And right. um, so th- this so far this year, not so great. You know, right. so, I mean, so so far this year, not so great. No, I agree. I mean, because I was for a while, I wasn't high on Carson at all. And then last year, I'm like, last year he played so well. And I know he's getting older. I'm thinking, man, with his defense, and they added another great piece on defense and <clears> – <throat> them just having another year, you know, with each other. I'm thinking, you know, and I still think this team's still, you know, going to be going to be really good. But I, I just made it more about Buffalo just being hungry. Buffalo needing this game. Them players. Buffalo not, not trying to go 0-3. They're not trying to go 0-3. And they, they're not trying to have their coach fired. You know, when I look at this, I'm sitting here looking at the stats. When you think about Rex Ryan's success that he had as a head coach, you think about his, his time in, with the Jets. This right here is the perfect picture of what a Rex Ryan, a winning Rex Ryan team looks like. Your defense generates turnovers, and this is the key stat for me. 32 carries for 208 yards, Mm -hmm. three touchdowns, 6.5 yards per carry. That is how Rex Ryan has always won as a head coach. Having a strong defense that's going to generate turnovers, having a run game to support your quarterback, because we have to remember he was winning with Mark Sanchez and not to say that Mark Sanchez didn't do, you know, didn't hit, didn't, he didn't have big games, but he had a running game to support him. And, and you know, I'm happy for Rex, and, and I'm not counting this Buffalo Bills team out, but Arizona, I don't know what's going on over there, but um, I think it's something that they need to get fixed and, and fixed fast. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about uh, Arizona and, and whatever win total we both had for them, DJ. I'm, I'm, I'm not liking <clears throat> what I'm seeing so far over there. And it's a very talented receiving course of t- on paper. They're everything, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, Patrick Peterson, they got the corners, they got the, uh, they got, what's his name? Honey Badger and the nickel. They yeah. got, uh, they got pass rushers. They got receivers. They got running backs. They got Carson Palmer. They got coaching. Well, them guys did that job. The problem with this game with Arizona was up front. They just couldn't stop the, ball. the run. They couldn't stop the run. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on to the next game. Where Oakland, we at? Oakland and Tennessee. Oakland and Tennessee. I don't have anything to say about either one of those teams, so I don't know if you have something you want to say, DJ. Um, I mean, I, I pick, I picked Oakland to win. It could have, it could have won either way. Um, Demarco Murray was, was, was. Um, no, Good. I picked Tennessee to win. I picked Tennessee yeah. to win. It could have won either way. Demar- Every time I looked up, I seen Demarco Murray running the ball, Henry running the ball, but then I look up, I look away, and look back over there, and they still have ten points. Yeah, I mean, essentially thirty carries for one hundred eighty-one, one hundred eighty yards, six. Six yards a pop. I mean, yeah. they ran the ball. They ran the ball well. It still couldn't. Couldn't. Mariota two interceptions. That'll kill you. That'll yeah, kill you. with well, no I, touchdowns. I, I mean, would tell you this. Did they miss field goals or anything this game? Because I I felt like I kept seeing them in scoring positions. No. No. Go ahead, DJ. Is that, um, Boogie. 
Um, I will say, you know what? So far this season, one thing that I'm I'm very happy for are the Raiders fans to be in a position that your team is two and zero. I'm sorry, your team is two and one. Two and one. First of all, to be two and one and and in that position as an Oakland Raider, especially how how loyal and die hard those fans are. Um, you know, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy for them that they're in a position early in the season where they have a team that they can cheer for. Uh, you may be losing your team next year, so it would be great for those for those fans if, if right. the Raiders could could at least qualify for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to you know make a quick point of that that I'm you know, I'm very happy for the Raiders fans because those those fans are diehard. And it's not to say anything about the Jets fans and the Patriots fans and and the Broncos fans, but of those three teams, you know, out of the four teams that I named, three of those teams have had winning seasons, whereas the Raiders they've kind of been in the dumps for a few years. So I'm happy for the Raiders fans. For a few years, better half of two decades, they've been, they've been <laughs> in the dumps. And I, I will say, I, I I was along for the ride for your you know entire NFL career. And I've always told people, you know, the Redskins fans, we they're known for having great fans, and they are. They they one hundred percent are great fans. Um, they're delusional, yeah. which which leads them to where they are. You know, in terms of they buy anything that Danny Boyle sell them. The Oakland fans. It's, you can't put it into words. It's, um, I could go on and we could go on for days about the stories of it, but I, I just remember our first trip to Oakland and it's like every car has Raiders memorabilia on it. We're at Walmart and just average people have Raiders tattoos on. Them, oh, yeah. Which is just like, you don't see many Redskins tattoos. I mean, just, we're not talking about, that those crazy people who see in the black hole or biker gangs. So we're just talking about normal everyday people just have Raiders tattoos. And every Ty has one. Yeah. So <laughs> Okay, there you go. He has one. But it, it just they they love their team and like Lamont said, they don't even really give much to root for. Yeah. I think in our three years out there in Oakland they won I don't even know if they won ten games in three years. And the fans came there every single game, you know, Dressed down like in all kinds of random costumes and everything, and they are great fans. And it's I've always felt bad for them because I think it's a terrible product that they've put on the field for the better half of a decade. And I've I've always said I felt very bad for that for that Oakland fans because they're very loyal and they've they've gotten a very bad product for a while now. And with a new head coach every every week, you know, a new quarterback. I mean, in the three years you were there, three head coaches, three offensive coordinators, three starting quarterbacks in a row. You know, I mean, and that that's just a bad product. Right. I mean, I, I, but I like what they're doing. I predicted um, a pretty decent season for them. They got a talented team, um, and I, I think they're, they're getting better and better. I don't know why I picked Tennessee in this game. Um, I mean, we might got to go back to the tape because I don't know if I was ever picking Tennessee, but cause I don't see. I know I do like Mariota. I think you said you picked Oakland. I do, said I, I I do like Tennessee. the I do like the running game, I, I, um, and they still they ran the ball well. That just, they did. Been running enough, but I mean, I do, I do like what Oakland's doing. Okay, Cleveland and Miami, two bad teams. I almost had this one right. I like what yeah. we were talking about earlier, uh, DJ. Yeah. I, I love what they're doing with Terrell Pryor, right? And and I think as I sit back and I, and I would love to know what, if anything, is going through Tim Tebow's head when he watches Terrell Pryor. You know, and, and it's so funny that here are the two. Narratives of two different people, right? Tim Tebow's the ultimate team guy. All he wants to do is win. 
He's a great leader. He's a great locker room guy. You know what I mean? He, he's just a winner and he just, he's a football player, right? Terrell Pryor, spoiled. He's a brat. Me first guy. Mm-hmm. Only cares about himself. Doesn't care about his team. Not a leader. Now, in reality, here's one guy that was told he can't play. They're both told they can't play quarterback. One of them says, if I can't play quarterback, then I don't want to play. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. I'll find a whole nother career. If I can't play quarterback, other teams say, listen, love to have you on the team. Can you try tight end? Can you try fullback? Can you try anything? No. Quarterback or nothing. The other guy says, I will play whatever it is you want me to play. I'll play receiver. I'll play safety. Play running back. Play whatever it is you want me to play. I just want to play football, and I just want to be on the field. And that's two completely different narratives. There's a, you know, reality, and then there's what's really, and then there's this, the narrative that people have created. And nobody will ever talk about that, though. And the fact is, is Terrell Pryor has done every, he went, learned, you know, they told him he got drafted, played quarterback, didn't work, bombed out of the league as a quarterback, came back, changed his body, worked out, learned a new skill set, became a receiver. And, you know, this week we see him out there playing safety. I'm happy for him. I'm really happy for him. I thought he, he got a real bad deal out there getting in trouble for just selling your own autograph. Your own jersey. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and his, his name got bad overall that, which affected his draft status. And then he, he goes out there with the Raiders where everybody pretty much go out there and, and doesn't <laughs> right. maximize their potential. Right. Absolutely. Cause I still think he, he could have, you know, been a quarterback, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm really happy the way they use him. They gave him some snaps, you know, at quarterback this game. He threw, he, he actually got some kind of record or something. For any game for throwing, receiving, and, and and running the ball, and I'm I'm really happy um to see what they're doing with him. And if I'm not mistaken, he recorded what a tackle or something along the lines because he's out there, like I said, playing defense. Go ahead, Lamont. Um, yeah, I'm happy for him, but I think you have to look at the fact that you're talking about two completely. You're talking about two totally. You're talking about two guys that, from an athletic standpoint, are not even in the same hemisphere together. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so if you're used to playing quarterback and that's what you've done pretty much your whole life, and you're comparing that to a guy that, okay, well, he plays quarterback at Ohio State, but chances are this guy in high school played safety, wide receiver, linebacker, if he had to, defensive end, a guy who's used to playing. I don't ball. doubt it for a second. I can't imagine that Tim Tebow was a quarterback his whole life, though, because he can't throw the ball. <laughs> I, the, so the, the, I would think more so he's played other positions. Well, you also got to think that at that time, there were still, you know, a, a considerable amount of teams running wing T. Yeah. You know, I mean, I travel all around the country mm-hmm. uh, with football university from March until July. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I coach kids who come in to, to, to get running back coaching, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they, they're, I'm sorry, they're wide receivers. But they come to get running back coaching because their coach runs a wing Mm team. So you got kids who are not getting looks, who have athleticism, who have ability, but they're never being put in a position to showcase showcase what it is that they can do. I think prior what he's done is that he's he's, mentally and handling things as a pro, he's done a great job since he's gotten to Cleveland. And I'll tell you what, I'm just saying this from experience, and this isn't something, this isn't a, a put down or knock against the Raiders. This is just fact, the reality of how it is. It's amazing how players go there, leave, and resurrect their careers when they go somewhere else. Yeah. And, and you know, if things are working out for the Raiders now. Things are working out for Terrell, for, for Terrell Pryor. 
and 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 you know things are just looking up for 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 those two parts of football when you think about one particular player in one particular franchise. Don't you I, think? I agree with that. Don't you think Tebow could have been a? I think Tebow could have been a tight end. You know, you know, I, I keep hearing all these conversations about just people coming in and playing positions. LeBron would be a good tight end. <laughs> right. I, 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 you know, I, I, how about this guy? I, I'm, not disc- right. I'm not trying to discount. Right. I'm not trying to discount that that it's anybody totally, can just play anything. I get it's, you. It's totally different when you're playing a position that the rules protect you, opposed to playing a position where you're getting nonstop contact. Where you're getting hit and you're getting up with blurred vision, but you got to get back in that huddle and get that play. It's totally different. If you're not used to doing that, it's very hard to transition to, to do that. Well, it's easier good. for a quarterback to move. It's easier for a player to move from quarterback to wide receiver because both positions, you're not getting a whole bunch of contact. Mm-hmm. If you're a wide receiver, chances are you're being tackled by a DB who most of the time is biting ankles. Whereas if you're going from quarterback to playing tight end, okay, well, I was a playing quarterback, but now I got J.J. Watt lined up across from me. I mean, that's a pretty tall task to, to, to ask somebody to do. Well, the history with, with ex-basketball players and being tight ends mm-hmm. seem, seem to be really good. Mm-hmm. All the guys who play ball, that tight ends, they, they, they excel at the position. I'm not saying that it's easy, but it just seems that way because of their athleticism. And, you know, because most of the defensive players aren't that tall and don't jump that high. And, mm-hmm. you know, them guys, power forwards who can't really – play basketball that well can be good tight end. Yeah. A six six power forward sounds like a good tight end. Yeah. You know, yeah, six six power forward is not gonna it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. Unless your name six, is Charles eight, Barkley. Six eight two seventy. I, I mean right. there's nothing about LeBron to make me think he would be a great tight end. Just could you use him as an example. Not saying it's gonna yeah, be easy I mean, for I anybody. To it on the radio. Right. That's what yeah, I've yeah. been hearing about for years. Oh LeBron could do this. You could put him at wide receiver and run a fade right. route. I tell you what, the first time he runs a fade route he jumps and somebody takes his ankles mm-hmm. and he lands on his head or his shoulder yeah. and land awkwardly. We're talking about a guy that flops on the basketball court, but I don't want to, I don't want to get off topic with that. Um, but most of those guys who played basketball who wind up being good tight ends, they also have history of playing football, especially in college. So, um, and to your point about the Raiders thing, which I agree with you totally. I didn't want to, you know, totally down on Clay Marshall X team, mm-hmm. but I mean, people do go there and leave and you know resurrect their careers. I wish that would happen for Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> a lot of that was on him, but I do think if he was, if he went somewhere else, he could have you know, been good. There's in the certain teams that if you get drafted by history, it's just not going to happen. It, yeah. you, you know what I mean? And a lot of people who are in the Hall of Fame or that we consider great, if they were drafted by the Browns, their career would have been completely different. You know, if, if they were drafted by the Raiders, their career would have been completely different. And that, that's just how it, that's how it is. Some of these, we've said it numerous, some of these organizations, it's just the same thing over and over again. And I always say, I wouldn't hold anything. We'll, every year we'll do a draft and he'll say, what do you think is going to happen to this player? And I'll say to you, I don't think he's going to succeed. And I don't even think it has anything to do with him. I just don't right. think when the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel and everybody said, let's take a wait and see. I, th- I know two things that don't belong together is Johnny Manziel and the Cleveland Browns. That's not going to happen. You know, it's just not going to be successful. You know what else? Johnny Manziel and the Oakland Raiders, that wouldn't have worked either. You know what I mean? Johnny Manziel and the Patriots, that might have been a different situation. But it's just certain organizations that you know it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And for years, the the, uh, Oakland was that. Now, for, for, for the first time, it looks like they might be heading in the right direction. Me, and I'd imagine Lamont is the same way because what he went through when I was there, I'm just a little bit more skeptical of it. So, yes, 
Oakland looks like they're headed in the right direction. Yes, Oakland looks like they have the right core. I'm just skeptical. And as That's far as I'm far as Miami, you know, they pulled out a win, a win they should have got. And um, I I, I love Jarvis Landry. Um, they got a LSU. They, they got a player there. Yeah. He, I mean, because I had an argument, you know, about LSU players, like like not a few days ago, and I was throwing out Jarvis. He was like, it's only two or three really good ones, and he was like, just Beckham and just um Patrick Peterson. And he's like, I don't even want to give you honey badger because they put him out of school. He's not claiming him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, what about Jarvis Landry? And he was talking trash about Jarvis Landry. Only averaging 10 yards of catch. Even though he was leading the league in receptions. receptions. He's like he only getting 10 yards of catch. He got 17 yards of catch this game and still had some um some rushing yards too. But I, I, like, I, like, I like Jarvis Landry a lot. I'm going to ask you both the same question. And Lamont, you might not want to answer. Did you think Jamarcus Russell was going to be good? I did. I'm an LSU fan, and I mean a guy that he he carried a team. I mean he was great in college. I mean arm that strong, a guy that size, unreal. Yeah, but you you thought he was going to be a good pro? I mean, in school I did. Going to the Raiders, a little skeptical, but in school I did. Lamont, I thought he had a lot of work. That's that's what I thought. You know, I grew up wanting to be a quarterback, so I just paid attention to and studied quarterbacks my entire life. And from what I saw, he had a strong arm, and he was young. And for a court, for somebody who's young, um, I don't want to. Uh, there's some maturity that has to come. Mm-hmm. All right, there has to. There's some maturity that that comes. And so when you come in, you're you're first round draft pick, first pick. Mm-hmm. You know, you're first pick of the draft. Uh, you come into a team that's that's seriously, seriously struggling with identity. The simple fact that when he came in, I think we were on our third coach. I think he came in with Kiffin. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, I think we were on our third coach. So In three years. In, in, in three years. So I saw the arm, but third I, also, quarterback. I also saw that that, there, that if he was going to be good and if he was going to last in the NFL, that he had a lot of work to do. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. I definitely wish him all the best, but that's just the reality of, of professional sports. Yeah. For me, personally, the very first time I saw him in a personal setting, and Lamont is like you, when I've never heard Lamont say anything bad about any teammate. It, um, like, it's just positive about everybody. People who I, me and him used to get in arguments. I was like, Lamont, this guy sucks. I'm telling you, he sucks. And he would swear by it, even though the guy would get, 10 holding calls a game and get beat every single play known to man. And they regarded him as one of the worst offensive linemen ever. Lamont would stick up for this guy. I remember the first time I saw Jamarcus, Jamarcus in a personal setting, and I looked at Lamont and I said, not a shot in hell. Not going to make it. <laughs> and he was like, hey, you know, give him a chance. Give him a chance. <laughs> I said, that guy cannot lead your team anywhere. I'm, I, like, I, I, I just, The maturity level of not just a young 19 or 20-year-old, whatever he was, I, I saw it from the beginning, and without even going into detail, Lamont will tell you that's, that's not what I said. That's what I'm dying laughing because it sounded exactly like you said it at, at the time that it happened. Not a chance. <laughs> not, not a chance. That's all I will say. I, I just looked and I said, "You've got to be kidding." Anyway, go ahead. We'll go to the next game. Before I go to the next game, I just was, I just was text a a pretty a pretty interesting stat. Uh oh, what's that? Who? When? When do you guys think the last time Pittsburgh won in Philly? Just, just a guess. Now that you throw it out there, I'm about to say because it must be something ridiculous. So 1990 something. Yeah, I'll 
match that and go 80 something because it has to be something ridiculous for somebody to 1965 wow okay i wonder how many games that is i wonder how many games that is too how many times have they played each other within that i mean between 1965 that's a lot so i mean you're talking about 50 years so in the long history of winning that pittsburgh has always had that sounds like you got to be at least like 0 and 10 i mean that's almost 50 years you know what i mean so even if you play each other once every five years that's interesting. I wish, I wish, I wish they would have told me that stat before I picked last week. Yeah, well, I would love to know what's behind that. That's really yeah. weird. Yeah, that's weird. I tell you what, though, it gives you that stat right there. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you just say to yourself, "Hey, you know what? That's just a loss." You know, yeah, we're not but- going to worry about our team getting blown out by Philly. But at the same time, it, it kind of makes you look at Philly beating Pittsburgh and say, "You know, should we kind of pump the brakes on Philly a little bit?" I mean, because history was on their side of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So now we got to wait and see, okay, who's the next dominant opponent that Philadelphia plays? So, uh, you know, just that stat alone, just, man, for, for 65. Man, that, Because it's weird, because Sunday, you know, you know, you know, I, I text a friend, I'm like, because I, I lost, Pittsburgh, you know, got killed, man, I mean, rough day. Mm-hmm. Man, I knew it was going to happen. I'm like, huh? What? I, I picked Pittsburgh. There was, there was no question. We never win in Philly. I'm like, really? Not surprised at all. Like, goodness, I didn't, but I still didn't know. I'm like, never win or maybe they lost the last three times there. 1965 is, is, is amazing. That's crazy. All right. Real okay. quick, I got a, um, question for Lamont. Michael Smith wants to know what would Lamont do, um, in today's NFL where it's more of a running back by committee as opposed to a one back carrying the full load 16 games of the season? Um, Split carries? I mean, what do, what do you mean? What do you do? Well, I mean, he's not the coach. I'm just, I'm just, no, <laughs> and, 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 no, and I, and, and I saw the question. It's a good question. Um, I think, I think my career would, I think my career would have probably lasted longer. Um, if, if I'm going to examine the whole question, what would I do in today's game? You got to look at the fact that training camps aren't as physical. Uh, me being the guy that worked my way into shape during training camp, I would have been able to get in better conditioning without taking a pound, and so my body wouldn't have broken down as much. Um, no matter when I played, it was pretty much a one or two back system. You know, when I was with the Jets for four years, uh, I was Kurt. I was Kurt's backup. Yeah. Uh, when I was with the Raiders, you know, I'm not a guy. I'm not afraid to give away carries. If I get tired, I'm saying, you know, hey, coach, you know, you know, give me one, give me two, you know, give me three. So. Throughout my career was always kind of a backpack committee. When I played with the Patriots, we had Maroney, we had Falk, we had Sammy Morris, and we had myself. So we had a backpack committee. Uh, and then even, even my last year with the Broncos, we had Buck Holter, we had, uh, No Sean Marino, we had myself, Peyton, Peyton Hillis. Hillis. Um, you know, so I've, I've, I've always done that. I know when I watch the games now, um, the thing that if I look at myself and a lot of backs from the past, I think the advantage that I will have is that I see a lot of backs who aren't very good pass protectors. And, and, and if you can't protect the quarterback, your rushing yards mean absolutely nothing because you're a liability, especially if you're playing on, 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 on the passing team. So. Can I answer just to chime in on that one there? One thing that I think would have been a lot different in today's game, your first four years of your career would have went different. Yeah. Um, you came in behind Curtis Martin, and every chance you ever got to play, uh, I mean, you were averaging six yards a carry, 1.7 yards a carry. It was just that it didn't matter. It was a different time. It was like 
it was Curtis was la- one of those last guys where it's it's Curtis's show. It doesn't matter if you average <laughs> twenty yards a carry. You, you know what I mean? I, I've seen you on drives look amazing, and it's like that's good. Go back out. It, it was Curtis's show. Nowadays, it just doesn't work that way. You know, if, and you got we saw last night Devontae Freeman and and, and Coleman just. Both of them were on fire and just kept putting them back out there. You know, right. just, you know, nowadays, if you got a young back, you know, essentially Alfred Morris, Matt Jones, you know, you got a young back, you get, get, let the young guy play. And your first four years, it really didn't matter what you did. It was Curtis's show. Yeah, definitely Curtis's show for you. Yeah, different day. Um, go ahead. The next game we got. Um, Baltimore, Jacksonville. Told you guys about Jacksonville. Told you guys. I mean, I didn't. I didn't predict Jacksonville to you know win a lot of games, but I thought they would be better. Um, I think you picked them at like eight or nine games. Nah, I got Jacksonville fighting for the division. Really? A one. Pull up DJ's um prediction on Jacksonville. I told you, he's got. I'm, I'm thinking six. Those those dudes are fantasy. Jacksonville is a fantasy football team. Their their numbers. You know, people will say, "Wow, you know, Blake Bortles is good. This person's good. That person's good. Fantasy football, man." Fantasy football. They got they got two running backs, three receivers. That's good. Two good tight ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Says the numbers. Yeah. I tell you what, that cornerback, uh, the young boy. Yeah. And everybody says he needs to shut up. And James, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Jaylen right? Ramsey. Okay. Yeah. So everybody's saying, you know, he's talking about Steve Smith, and he's doing interviews, and he needs to shut up. I'm gonna ask all these people. How many of those people had a clue who the hell Jalen Ramsey was <laughs> on Saturday? And how many of them know who he is on Monday? Did you hit him at five wins? Okay. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, he was, he's like a top five pick. I mean, three, maybe something like that. You should have, if you, you should have known. I say everybody knew who he was. No, they but don't. You but known. at the cornerback position, we have learned who gets paid? The guys who talk about it. Okay. So, it, it, we watched Josh Norman go from nobody knew who he was. He goes out there, he starts running his mouth. And at the end of the year, he gets $70 million. Yeah. Okay, so that is a position where I don't have a problem with any cornerback who wants to put a target on their back because mm-hmm. that's how you get paid and that's how you get attention brought to you. Yeah. And, and what we're hearing this whole when we go, we come through Monday morning, everybody's saying what's at what everybody says. Jalen Ramsey runs his mouth. He's a great corner. He's going to be a great. He's one of the best. Da da da. And now all of a sudden we're talking about Jalen Ramsey when nobody was talking about that that guy before. We're talking about him after a loss at did, that. Did you did you did you watch his interview? Yes, in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. You when think you think about it, his, uh, body, his body language looked a little funny, right? Did you did you pay attention <laughs> to that? A lot of people <laughs> saying that, that. That 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 that's really um, that's funny because I, I I saw that today. Um, I did. I I, I did. I, I I definitely know what you're talking about. I'm surprised I didn't say it nowhere. I, I didn't say it on like no internet or nothing. I, I did. I'm in there playing I saw pool. Right. I I didn't see an interview and and um you know Island his guys was over at the house this weekend. So Alan's screaming, hey, yo, hey, yo, come here, man. Look at this interview, man. He's like, man, look at this interview, man. Something funny about him, man. So he watched the interview. <laughs> like, man, I, I see what he was saying. It was, he was, it was just, a little funny, man. Smile was a little too big. It was, it was his whole, his demeanor was a, it was a little, was like, a little loose. Like, I told him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old man. <laughs> I'm not scared of you. <laughs> I'm not scared of you. The, um, you know, I don't, the, the whole thing about everybody I was listening to and they're saying he needs to respect Steve Smith and da da da. And my question, I had a lot of people ask me out on Monday, what do you think about him talking about Steve Smith? So you're not going to tell me any story in the world where anybody's bullying Steve Smith. Sorry, yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. You're not going to tell me any story where anybody was picking on Steve Smith, somebody attacked Steve Smith, not buying it. 
Aside from his antics, I liked it though. Cause I'm not going to keep Steve Smith cause he's built up this whole, mm-hmm. this whole stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not mad at him. It's the thing like you tell your son, man, stick up for yourself. I mean, yeah. okay, he's a big bad guy. Yeah, okay. Scared. I mean, you're, you're, you could be. I mean, he, he seems to really be about it. Right. And I've been around <laughs> some of them guys who are, he's, he's a lot smaller than, you know, the yeah. guys I know that's about it, but you can't be out there scared of that, man. And I'm mm-hmm. glad he's a rookie and he's, he wasn't, he wasn't intimidated at all, at all by Steve Smith. I didn't like, you know, his, his demeanor, his body language, but. My question is, scared. to me, what I took away from that story though is, you know, when Steve Smith was on Mike and Mike the next morning and he's saying, you know, I, I, at what age do we stop that Steve Smith though? You know, with the like, so I go look for him after the game. Yeah. Yeah. What, how, what you been old for that, man? Yeah. Like, you go look for the, this guy's literally probably young enough to be your son. Right. <laughs> And you go look for him after the game. I, I came up to him after the game, and he don't have anything to say. He's probably being respectful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, we were talking trash during the game. Yeah. Now you want to fight me, like, after the game? Don't your kids, dude. Yeah, like, I mean, come on, you know. And, and that's, at, at what point did Steve Smith go from being a tough guy to you're being a bully? Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like he's been a bully. Yeah. I mean, it, it's cool in between the lines because obviously he's a, he is a small guy, so – I get it. You probably have to do what you have to do yeah. to get to get there. But again, you're not young, and again, nobody's picking on Steve Smith. Right? Like we get it at this point. Yeah. Like nobody's it. picking on you, dude. You, you you don't need to be the toughest guy in the room picking on little kids. Like you just you just don't. Am I wrong, Lamar? That is Steve Smith, bro. You know what you're getting. Yeah. But, but he, look, <laughs> yeah. even you know, example, you know like like. I, I went to school with Kenyon Martin, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Kenyon's crazy. In look like the same. They look like the same person. Man, he's he's <laughs> Steve and, and Kenyon look yeah, like they cut from that same cloth. Yeah, but Kenyon's you know six nine. You know he's big strong dude. Kenyon's intimidating everybody, even guys on the team. You know something happened. He's punching guys in the face, and even when he got in the league, he's going crazy, getting all these technicals, and, and he's really he's really that way. Like coolest guy in the world, but you know he'll he'll fight you in a minute. See and lately and now. You know, Kenya's older. And, you know, you talk about the situation where he almost got into it with a teammate one time. He's like, you know what, Slim? Man, I just let it go, man. If it was me some years ago, it would have got bad. But now, I'm really, I don't really care about it. I'm not on that no more. I'm not that, as quick to, you know, jump that way anymore. Knowing that and just uh, hearing the stories that you've always told me about Kenya, we're way off track here. But I just remember. <laughs> hearing the story about Tim Thomas and his side of the story mm-hmm. and it just sounded hilarious mm-hmm. where he was like I seen him in the club and he walks over apologizes to me and I slap him I tell him yeah. move out of the way he says I'm sorry Mr. Mr. Yeah. Thomas <laughs> and, yeah. and leaves I'd uh, like to pay for your tab and walks right. out the back door and you'd be right. like oh, I don't think it happened like no. that <laughs> like right. wasn't there but I, I don't know what happened but I don't think it went down like that and I, was, I mean I'm teammates with Tim Thomas they're friends with Tim Thomas and you know Kenyon's like my brother and there's no way in the world. But that's how it went down. That, that, that would ever go down. That's like one that. of the situations where he said, I don't know what did happen, but I know that didn't happen. That guy just ain't got it all. That'll never happen at all. <laughs> Mike see, Tyson's not going to do that to Kenyon. Kenyon's just crazy. Um, and see, the thing is where you see, like, Kenyon is big, so he's intimidated. People are scared of him naturally. Mike, what I, the feeling I've always got from Steve Smith is, is that people, he knows that nobody's scared of him off of stature. So he's swinging first, you know, you know what I mean? So, you know, Kenny might walk over to him and be like, hey, I'm going to give you a chance to walk away from this. You see, I'm clearly bigger than you. My guess is Steve Smith and Kenny Martin walk into the same room. Steve Smith says, my only chance of winning is to steal this dude off rip 
no questions asked as hard as I possibly can. You know what I mean? Like, and and, and my guess is that's how you, because I mean, he's got a reputation of breaking several offensive linemen, linebackers, or like, we're not talking about cornerbacks. Like, he's hitting the biggest man on the team type stuff. You know, so I mean, again, getting back to the point, I'm proud of the young boys standing up to himself, and I'm a big Steve Smith fan, but you know, I just hate to hear that at, what is he, my age, right? 36, 37, you're looking for people after the game. People who literally are probably your son's age. You got uh, you guys putting it, putting anything in Baltimore being three and Baltimore's it's Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is this is what we thought last year was going to happen. Remember last year we were like teams not any good, and I don't know why, but I think they'll still win eight games. Yeah. No, they're quiet. They're they're quiet three and and they're in a, I mean they're in a good position. I didn't realize they're three and zero until this weekend. I'm like Flacco's really? always been a solid quarterback in my opinion. I mean he's going to make some mistakes. Um, I know we're going to put the Super Bowl victory on on the defense, but one thing with Flacco, he's just continued to get better and better every year. And if you look at the facts, Steve Smith, Dennis Pitta, and, and then Mike Wallace, I mean, just those three alone, he has weapons. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this how this division pans out. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. I mean, we we've seen this time and time again in in, in the last few years where in that division you have three tough teams and anybody can come out on top. Yeah. That's the best word that I'll use describing Flacco. And that's solid. I'm not willing to go much past that. Right. But he's he's good enough to win with, obviously, because he's already won it. So any I think that's the best thing you can say politely is that he's good enough to win with. Can you win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco? Yes. Anything past that, I'm not – we remember two years ago the movement was, is Joe Flacco elite? Stop it. He throws probably one of the best deep balls. That's fine. That's that's, strong, though, yeah, you know? no, no doubt about that. Thank Justin Tucker for this one. I mean, they didn't offensively, they didn't do much of anything. Um, Jacksonville did less. <laughs> right. they, they, they scored more touchdowns, but what came into play is the four field goals that the Ravens scored. Go ahead, next game. Um, Detroit at Green Bay. Um, moving on, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, just, just the same thing, what I was saying about and with Rex Chapman in Buffalo all week, I heard. Aaron Rodgers is maybe he's past his prime and he's not looking the same and he still didn't throw for three hundred yards like they were saying he didn't throw for three hundred yards in this amount of games. It, he probably could have if he wanted to. He, four touchdowns. He threw four touchdowns <laughs> and he only threw twenty four times. He was fifteen to twenty four. He went out there and did most of that the first half. And was, QBR on a scale from one to one hundred. It's ninety nine point one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, I, yeah. at yeah. least point nine percent of improvement. Absolutely. Same thing. Eddie Lacy. They talk. Eddie Lacy's not running the ball. He gets you six yards of carry. Um, I will say this: for hundred yards. Matthew Stafford's post Megatron career is going better than I thought it was. Yeah, me too. But you know what? That doesn't surprise me. When you don't have when when you have a, 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 a big time wide receiver, there's this pressure to get him the ball, and sometimes True. trying to force him the ball. You you develop some bad habits. It doesn't surprise me that he he's in a system where he just has a solid wide wide receiver core. Uh, his safety blanket isn't Megatron, but now his safety blanket is Anquan Bolden. I think that's one heck of a safety blanket. Yeah, check to down. Have. Um, and, and, and a lot of this was this game was for Matt Stafford had the the Blake Bortles syndrome here, where they're, <laughs> they're getting they're getting smacked. Yeah. And out of nowhere, because I'm, I'm playing against um, Marvin Jones. Yep, me too. In, in my in my fantasy, lost in that one. I'm killing this. I'm killing the guy. And I look up Marvin Jones, 170 in the touchdown. I'm like, really? 
and kill going. Then I look again. Hold on, he got 205 and another touchdown? Yeah. And he's just racking up points. You're just trying to come back on a game that they're not going to win. I want to say he scored almost 40 or 50 points in my league. He scored 43 in our league. I still won, but he scored, he scored 40. I didn't. <laughs> like, I played, I Luckily, certainly did nobody else to do anything. Yeah, that dude was unreal. Go ahead, the next, next one. Next is um, Denver at Cincinnati. Cincinnati keeps moving. I mean, Denver keeps rolling. Try to tell you, man. I, 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 only thing I can say is I really overrest, and it sounds crazy, and I want to clarify, I overrated last year's Peyton Manning. Like, that really yeah. was his role. You could be replaced. What last year's Peyton Manning is replaceable. Not Peyton Manning over his career. Mm-hmm. Last year's Peyton Manning could be replaced. Uh, the thing is that we all know Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas are targets, obviously. They're, mm-hmm. they're talented. Mm-hmm. We just thought that they were going to be stuck there with nobody throwing them the ball. They both, Came out last week and spoke, hey, don't forget about us. You know, we're happy to be 2-0, but, you know, it would be nice if somebody throws the ball every once in a while. And they went out there, and they both got work this week. And Denver, is, they're good. They're here. They're real. I mean, they, if they if they can put together 17 to 20 points mm-hmm. on offense, they're be hard probably going to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you ain't you don't got to score much because their defense is so good. You know what? When I look at the Broncos, um, Kubiak is a good coach. And, and think about this. He was in Houston. And during that time where he was in Houston, you know, I mean, they, they didn't do well, but you just kind of had this feeling that if he could just get a quarterback, that Houston could actually get to that next level. Well, you look at him now with the Broncos, Peyton Manning's gone. He's not running Peyton Manning's system. He's actually running his system now. Uh, you look at the fact that when he was at Houston, his defense was nowhere near as good as this Denver Broncos defense. Was. Coach Kubiak is a good coach, and um, I think this Denver Broncos team is is a dangerous team. Uh, when you look at their running back, C.J. Uh, C.J. Anderson, he's pretty much their go-to guy. And looking at the running backs, I want to give a shout out to uh, Leonard Alexander, uh, who made a comment that the um, that the backs back committee is going to kill pretty much the Hall of Fame battles and you talk about mm-hmm. the running back position. So I want to give a shout-out to him. Um, but when I look at Denver, I'm sure everybody has them as the favorite right now to win the AFC. I'm sticking with who my team was to win the AFC, and the I'm Patriots. still going with them as, yeah. I don't have any problem with that. I'm not any problem with either one of them. You're, I think the Patriots, right now, you're 3-0 and without the best quarterback in football even touching the field. Can you imagine what's going to happen when he comes back and that offense really gets rolling? Houston would have lost by like a hundred. They they were down twenty seven and the dude didn't even have a hundred yards passing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. But this Denver team, I, I expect to see. I expect to see the two of them in the in the, in the well, AFC well, championship. The, 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 the thing with that is, is them them guys that's that replaced Tom Brady. When when you got when you playing a team like Denver who can really get after you, mm-hmm. them guys can escape more than Tom Brady can. I thought Garoppolo. I don't I don't know if Tom could have did more. Than what Garoppolo did the first two games. Garoppolo looked amazing, and he did it in a different way. They were, he made some of the same throws, but he 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 was moving, you know, yeah. Yeah. getting getting rushing yards and escaping when plays. He, Tom probably threw the ball away, and I don't know if Tom could have did much more than that. Yeah. All right, get to that next one. Um, you know, it's definitely not it. Nah, that's one, that's one. not that. We got. We already talked. Okay, we got San Francisco. Don't drop over that one. We didn't, we didn't talk about it? No, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge. Washington, not New York. Okay, go ahead. All you guys can talk about it. This is all. I don't even need to say anything. 
Okay, go ahead. Well, Washington and New York. You wanted to go first, Lamont? You no, said- no, no, go ahead. I'm, no, thank you. A1 or DJ, that's between the two of you. Um, I'll go. I'm- they wanted, they wanted it more than us. And, and a, a lot of, a lot of mishaps on the Giants side, you know, you know, caused this. We got a, a block punt that was taken away for, uh, um, unsportsmanlike conduct in our center, which getting the second one, which on the other one, where Odell Beckham runs to the two yard line. And I didn't like to call a block, which seemed like a normal block on, um, Josh Norman takes that away, takes the takes the block punt away. Then on, on a was about to be a third and long, we get a a, um, a rough and a passer call, fifteen yards. And uh, uh, with that, the two interceptions that Eli threw was the first one. I thought the the tight end stopped running his route. But this is a game that we we, we definitely should have won. We still two and one. I'm not, you know, my head's not down on us much. Um, Odell Beckham. Yep. I did think he, um, I thought we could have went to him all night, really. I like Norman. I think Norman's a good player. No way he can guard Odell Beckham. Um, do, do you think at some point in this game, Odell Beckham made this way more personal than about the team? No. I no? don't. No, I don't because I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with the game. It's like, give me the ball. He hasn't scored yet this year. It's like give me the ball. Every time you throw me the ball, I'm making something happen. And you 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 throwing dumb downs, you know. He threw the what eight different receivers. And Odell Beckham wanted the ball more and he should want the ball more because he's a competitor and he's a good player. So you don't have any problem with Beckham? He can't control his emotions a little bit, but no, I don't I don't have a problem with him at all. He's a great player. Get him the ball. Okay. Uh when it comes to Beckham, um, it's just unacceptable. That's just what it comes down to. It's unacceptable. Your quarterback has to spend time giving you your attention because you want to have a little, you want to have your little fit mm-hmm. instead of the quarterback sitting on the bench getting ready for the next drive. But Eli chose to do that, and it was, well, that's, he that's, has a, to. that's a good thing. He's I, the I'm leader. glad he did it as a leader. I'm He's glad the leader. He did you got to remember, last year nobody came up to him. Right. He just he just went off. He just flew off the handle. And and this is the thing that 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 bothers me about sports today. First of all, it, it when I was playing, that would be unacceptable. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that on Bill Belichick's sideline and thinking you're going to be continue to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe even on a Herm Edwards sideline, you may get away with that once. It's childish behavior. Romo, I mean, no, not Romo. Um, Gio was kind of like that, wasn't he? Very emotional. Des Bryant, Des Bryant's like that. A lot yeah. of, a lot of receivers, yeah. a lot of receivers act like a lot of receivers are was emotional. MG was Keyshawn like that at all? I'm trying to, I don't no. remember any many public display. I mean, what happens in the locker rooms and stuff like that. But I mean, in terms of the sideline antics like that, uh, it's unacceptable. I don't you think you would do that on Dungy sideline. See, the, the thing about that is, is he got the cameras following him. We don't know what these other guys are doing when they go to the side and they feel like they made a bad play or if they feel like they ain't, they didn't get the ball a lot. They don't got cameras following him the whole way, so we don't really know. They, he's under a microscope. When guys are when guys are flipping out on the sidelines, camera the camera you. finds camera you. Find because you. it's no a story and the media is going to want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. No matter what team you are, if you're spazzing out on the sideline. I mean, I had me a spaz out on the sideline one time, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind of, you know, I had fun with the ball. It had nothing to do with me wanting to get the ball. It's just that we were in Denver. We were working to come back. We 
clearly taking momentum and I fumbled the ball and I just kind of went off to myself and I was just kind of spazzing out. You don't do that when you're the star player on your football team. You almost got yourself knocked out by your goalpost. I mean, that was... You just don't do that. As far as I'm concerned, you're trying to get attention. This is professional football. This is not social media. This is not a movie. This is national football league. You have to do a better job of controlling your emotions. This is two years in a row. Well, I don't think he's trying to get attention because what happened is he we're trying to win a game here. Mm-hmm. He drive us the whole way up the field. Not only one his one of his pass plays gets called back for uh, um, unsportsmanlike, mm-hmm. which takes us back. Mm-hmm. And then on maybe the next play, it's like first or second down, mm-hmm. or he throws. We don't even get three out of it. Mm-hmm. The interception is thrown. He just worked his butt off getting us up the field. And he didn't go to Eli, oh, you, this, this, and that. Give me this, 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 and that. He went to himself. He hit a net. He didn't go to any players. Mm-hmm. He wasn't disturbing anybody else. Mm-hmm. He just was upset. And that's he wanted He wanted to win. He wanted to score. He's being emotional. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that had anything to do with anybody else. Eli went over to calm him down like mm-hmm. a leader should. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I didn't think he did anything to disrupt the team. He I think Josh Norman is in his head. Yes, and I think that's what happened. I don't Josh, think it's yeah. a coincidence that the last two times Odell Beckham has had his meltdown, Josh Norman was on the. <laughs> you consider that that a meltdown? Last the last year, the stuff he did it, it affected us on the field. Mm-hmm. And no, even I mean, though he scored, okay, and all that that affected tantrum. us on the field. Last time well, he, he had, did last two times he had line. a tantrum. Whether happened. you want to call it a meltdown, tantrum. Last two times he's had a tantrum was opposite of Greg Norman of uh, Josh Norman. Uh, him, him swinging his helmet into the net, which is, it's, it's more funny to me. It's funny because, you know, the way the net came back and hit him. But, <laughs> right, I mean, that's definitely funny. I mean, but it's guys, a tantrum. Anyway, look at it, it's a tantrum. Do stuff like all the time. They throw their helmets or they swing or they cuss and stuff like that. The net don't hit always. <laughs> the net don't hit him. <laughs> right. That's what made it funny, but like he didn't cause our team anything. Mm-hmm. And as far as Josh being in his head, I felt like he got the best of Josh. I don't see why Josh, both times, really. Now he lost the game, but as far as them, he, I don't feel like Josh was in his head this game. He got us all the way up the field. And then that was taken away by stuff that he wasn't, he, he wasn't in control of. He wasn't in control of somebody getting a 15 yard penalty. He wasn't in control of Eli throwing an interception. Well, he just worked us that hard to get us up the field. If I start seeing him having temper tantrums in other games, then I'll say it's not Josh Norman related. But so far in two games with Josh Norman, Two temper tantrums, and I don't think that's a coincidence. If this was a guy that you can be like, you know, Des Bryant, he has a temper tantrum every week. So I don't think it has anything to do with anybody else. Mm-hmm. We don't have any other footage of, te- of, of, uh, of, of Odell Beckham having these temper tantrums any other week. Okay. So, I mean, that's why, you know, certain people, that's, that's my thought. And, 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 and I, and I, the media made so much of this Josh Norman, uh, mm-hmm. Odell Beckham thing as if like, they were playing one-on-one basketball or, right. or, or something. You, you know what I mean? And That's it was just so doing. much. And, and what I think, and when I say Odell Beckham, when I say Josh Norman is in his head, I think it's that every time Beckham beats him, which is probably damn near every play, he wants the ball. There you see it right there. And, and, and it's because he wants it because he probably wants to fry Josh Norman. You know what I mean? He's looking to have 200 yards receiving, and he feels like he's open on every play, and he should get it. Whereas, though, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that, Odell Beckham was way more concerned about his stats this week than he is any other week. Like, more well, than anything, because he kept hearing about how 
this dude shuts him down, and this dude shuts him down, and he wanted to prove, if nothing else, this dude can't guard me if his life depended on, which is probably true, which I don't, I don't disagree with. You know what I mean? It's just that, yo, I don't, I have to beat this guy. Well, he 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 wasn't he wasn't getting targeted for most of the game. He he caught like two passes for like forty yards up until the fourth quarter. He wasn't getting targeted. Other guys were open. Sterling Shepard's open, and we didn't see anything. He wasn't complaining, and nothing happened. Only when that fourth quarter, when he started getting the ball, when he was getting in his rhythm, and he worked that hard to get us in field goal in a touchdown position, it was taken away by two mistakes by other people. Is when when he got upset. It wasn't when he wasn't getting the ball. He wasn't getting the ball for a while. What? Anything on the other side of the ball? Boogie, I know you have to get out of here. Anything on the – what, what yeah, are we saying about what, the Redskins? Well, with the with, – I'm, I'm going to finish with the Odell thing. At the end of the day, when your coach comes out publicly and says he needs to do a better job of not being a distraction to the team. He, he said just controlling his emotions. Controlling his emotions. and Offside. Not, he said on, on, on the field, he was fine. Off on the, the sideline, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are creating a distraction. Mm-hmm. You're in the fourth quarter. Okay, you're in a tight ball game, and your quarterback, instead of being over there with the coach, instead of looking at the adjustments that he can make, getting ready for the next drive, you know what your quarterback was doing? He was spending his time trying to calm you down. You have to control your emotions. If I'm a cornerback, if I'm a cornerback, if if I'm a cornerback, first of all, no, what led to the interception was that the wire, the tight end didn't didn't bend on the route. It was a great play by um, was it Blackman? That, that made the old absolutely that, no, I it was a that. great play. I agree him, with that, yeah. but that's the ball. That's where Eli's supposed to go through. If the tight end bends his route like yeah. he's supposed to, that yeah. ball is not picked off and it's probably complete. That's what I and said. We're talking about a right. whole nother game, right? When I look at the Washington Redskins, Kirk Cousins, no interceptions. Matt Jones ran the ball a lot harder. He's mm-hmm. still running soft in some area, in, in, in my opinion. He's that still last running drive, soft, he, 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 but he. Um, he 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 picked it up after he got after he took that hit. He took his running to a whole nother level. And sometimes as a back, when you're coming back from a soldier in, a shoulder injury, mm-hmm. and you're trying to get your feet under you, sometimes that's what it takes. Being able to take that solid shot, something that the Redskins did that I've been crying for, that I've been begging for for the last few years. Their defense is playing more of a four three. They're getting better pressure on the quarterback. You saw the you saw the hit that Eli took, and I think that that hit. Man. I think that I that, like that hit on Eli had had a huge impact on the game because it, it almost for the Giants it almost changed up their their their, their offensive scheme. Yeah. Um, I still had the Redskins going eleven to six. Um, losing D'Angelo hurts, man. Losing D'Angelo does hurt, but this Redskins team, I think that they have some depth. You're gonna have to play Dunbar. You're gonna have to play Blackman. Everybody wants Sue Cravens on the field, but it's hard to as a coach to put a guy on the field who makes plays, but can't trust that he's going to take care of his responsibility. So it's going to be interesting to see things moving forward. I'm happy for the Redskins. I'm happy for the Redskins fans. And I'm definitely happy for Kirk Cousins because had they started off 0-3, there's no telling what will be going on in Washington. And Breland checked out pretty quick, huh? He's like, they're not going <laughs> they're not going to pick on me today. Yeah, he did. He's not, not going to pick on me. <laughs> yeah, he didn't start off too good for him. Yeah. Um, Crowder, that touchdown he had, he played like he was playing for his job. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you know, it was it was a good football game. All it was just a good football and a lot game of injuries. Um, Breland went down, and D'Angelo oh, yeah. went down, yeah. and then Eli Apple went down for the for the Giants, yeah. and then Dominic Rogers Kamadi yeah. went down. Both corners, yeah, but was was out of the game. Um, I, I just Shane Green's out. Yeah, Shane Green's season, out. Um, and he just, and he fumbles. Just just one thing that's kind of jumping out to me: Matt Jones in in 2016, excuse me, 
has um, 37 carries and is long on the year's 14 yards. I think that needs to be noted. Like, I, I just don't see any big plays from Matt Jones. And that was the thing. Um, the knock, the reason last year we were hearing that they were, tra- they were transitioning from Alfred Morris to Matt Jones mm-hmm. is because of these big play ability that Matt Jones had. And, you know, that that was the difference between uh, that, you know, Alfred Morris was more of the four yards every carry, whereas though Matt Jones had the big play potential. And I just haven't seen any of that this year. Like, right. I don't see any big play. I don't, I don't see any bird. I just don't see anything special from Matt Jones at all. I'm not big him anyway. I, I, was, I wasn't happy. I'm not even a Redskins fan. I wasn't at all happy about the way they handled the Alfred Morris situation. It was crazy to me. Okay, go ahead. Um, next game, um, San Fran at Seattle. Go ahead. Um, I mean, I, I didn't think San Fran had a chance at this game. I don't care how bad everybody was acting like, um, Seattle, Seattle was playing. Um, Christian Michael looked great and they needed that because they wasn't getting really much out of the running game. Um, I don't know when they get away from Blaine Gabbard. As from from my understanding of what they're saying now is they're waiting on um they said apparently Kaepernick's not fully healthy okay. and they're waiting for him to be fully healthy before they before they uh make that switch. The thing we all all wanted to see from the beginning of this happening is the only interest at all is Chip Kelly and Kaepernick, right? Yeah. What can Chip do in a Kaepernick excuse me, what can Kaepernick do in a Chip Kelly offense? Uh nobody has any interest in seeing what Blaine Gabbert can do in any offense. <laughs> you know, like at all. So, if they're not going to play Colin Kaepernick, I don't really know what the storyline is in San Francisco for the season. I don't. I don't think they're a very talented team. I do expect more excitement from Chip Kelly's offense. I, I, you know what I take a lot from is the Eagles' success without Chip Kelly. That that says something, right? You see what San Francisco's doing right now; they're struggling, and you see what Philadelphia, his old team, is doing; they're flourishing. That, that that shouldn't go unnoted. That 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 shouldn't go unnoted. Seattle, like we said before, every year we do the same thing. Oh, Seattle just doesn't look right. Something's not right. Uh, this, you know, maybe Russell Wilson isn't as good as we thought. Oh, maybe this person isn't what we thought. Two and one. And then you look up and they're two and one, and they're still doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. Russell Wilson's doing. You know, if he's going to be healthy, Russell Wilson is going to be fine on um, the running game for the first time. Got on track. And if Christian Michael does this again, my guess is we're not worried about when Thomas Rolls coming back. Doug Baldwin, who had been injured, comes and has a monster game. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham, who never really got to where we were supposed to be in a Seattle Seahawks uniform. If we get the Saints, Jimmy Graham, watch out. Right. No, I, I agree with that. I, I forgot to mention that. Jimmy Jimmy came to play, and I was um, I seen him on the sideline screaming at the coach. Said, so I, I think I read his lips saying somewhere he's back. Yeah, I, I, hope, I believe it. I hope, I hope, I hope he's right. Because we, we never saw that. I think Jimmy Graham is going to benefit this year from uh, Marshawn Lynch's um, departure. Departure, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and especially now that the uh, Seahawks are moving to more of a, a passing style of offense. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so. Indy, well, go ahead. what's that one that you're looking on? That's um, Kansas City at home against the Jets. Ooh, Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, six interceptions, three of them, three of them in the red zone. His QBR is a five. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm not sure. They must start you off. They must start you off with five. It's like the SATs <laughs> where you get six or five, five or six hundred for writing your name down. Like, cause I don't understand how he could have accumulated five points with six interceptions, no touchdowns. And again, like I said, 
three of these interceptions are in the red zone. This game could be completely different. Mm-hmm. And with the targets he has, it's, that's Eric Decker, one reception for 31 yards. Um, Brandon Moss with three for 27. And each interception got worse. They ran one of them back. Mm-hmm. A linebacker, I think it was Derek Johnson, ran one of them back for a touchdown. Like, he looked bad. And everybody, you know, he was so up in arms and the world was trying to scratch their head. Like, wonder why the Jets won't give him a long-term deal. This is ridiculous. They're, they won't budge. They're only going to offer him this. You know, every Brock Osweiler got this amount of money. Ryan Fitzpatrick had such a good year. Why don't they want to give him? Because they see him every day, and they know what he is. And he's already, like we said, he's robbed the Bills. He's robbed the Texans. And this is not going to happen here. Well, to this point, he's been playing really good. Except so. for the last game he played last year, the Jets was god-awful, mm-hmm. was similar. And then here we are only two games later, and you're throwing six interceptions. The thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick and has always been the thing, you don't know what you're going to get. Because yeah. he's capable of these. That's yeah, obviously, but I mean, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't imagine he's going to throw a six interception game ever. Three in the red zone, man. Mm-hmm. I-, I tell you what, if if you're the Jets, you have to be kicking yourself right now. The Patriots gave you a four game head and st- four game head start, and right now you wanted to. I said last week that I think that this is a two team division uh, with the Patriots and and the Jets. This was a big loss for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that this is a big loss because I think that at the, that at the end of the season, Kansas City is going to be one of those teams fighting for a wild card spot. But if you're Kansas City, you gotta feel like you got to take care of these games also. Yeah, you, you do. You, you do have to take care of these games, but you look at what's going on in, in, in the, uh, the AFC, I believe it's not the North. North is Pittsburgh. No, uh, which one? South. If you look at what's going on in the uh, AFC South with Houston, Indianapolis, uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville Tennessee. and Tennessee. Only the divisional winner from that conference is going to go. Mm-hmm. If you look at right now where you stand with the, um, if you look at Pittsburgh's division, the, 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 the AFC North, it's a chance that three of those teams mm-hmm. from that division yeah. can actually go. So if you're the Jets, you get a four game head start without Tom Brady. Um, you're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, which you have to look at this as a playoff game because you're going to be two teams that are fighting for um, for a, a playoff spot. And for Fitzpatrick to come out there and play play the way he did, um, it, it, it's just disappointing. Just as I was happy for the, the, the Raiders fans, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hurting for the Jets fans because if you're a Jets fan and you're coming into this year, you got to be saying to yourself, Tom Brady's out for four games. This has got to be our chance. We have to take advantage of this opportunity. But the Patriots go out there, win three games, and you come in one and two. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, Coach Bowles gets that team together. But I fully expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to bounce back from this game, especially when you have a safety uh, blanket like Matt Forte. I yeah. think Lamont is right in that, in the big picture there, DJ, in that if I said to you after four, you know, four games, Tom Brady is going to be out, and you say, well, where do you want to be after four games? If I'm the Jets, I want to be tied with them, if not up a game or two on them. Not them 4-0 and we're 1-3. and three. Like, you know, that – that, that's just not how it goes. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's not your ideal situation. Go ahead. But I, I, I think they're going to be all right. This, this is a game that the Jets and definitely Ryan Fitzpatrick got to just look, put this behind you and, and keep going forward. I, I think they're going to be okay. He, did you see his post game interview? No. He seemed kind of standoffish. Did you see that? A1? He seemed like he was like, okay, and? Who's post game interview? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh. You know, they're like, you know, you, he was just like, yeah, I did. And what? Kind of yeah, yeah, like, kind of like, what's the big deal? Everybody's had a bad game. Like, oh, okay. I mean, he, that's the rough thing about sports where, 
Whereas after you go out there and you do feel like you give it your all and you come, you throw six interceptions, then you got to go stand in front of the <laughs> explain mic- about microphone it. and explain and it. People ask you these dumb questions, these dumb questions, like yeah. you wanted to throw six interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think the six interceptions <laughs> helped or hurt? <laughs> I think they hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I what were you thinking on that last one? <laughs> the receiver's going to catch the ball. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to. You know, it's always a pleasure to be on here. Before I leave, is it cool if I just give my picks sure. for for um for next week? I'm just gonna go through it. Okay. I don't even know who's playing right now, but I want to make sure we just get these logged yeah, in. Yeah, we for this. We know real quick. I got him. Um, right, I'm taking Denver over Tampa. Cincy over Miami. Jacksonville over Indy. Houston over Tennessee. Washington over Cleveland, Seattle over the Jets. Of course, I'm taking New England over Buffalo. I'm going Atlanta over Carolina, Oakland over Baltimore, Detroit over Chicago, Rams over Arizona, Mm. San Diego over New Orleans, Mm. Dallas over San Francisco, and I'm going to take Pittsburgh over Kansas City. And I'm going to go Minnesota over the Giants. Been a pleasure having you, Lamont. Hey, fellas. Always good to see y'all. Catch up with you soon. Look forward to seeing you all, you, you fellas, and uh, all the listeners. Look forward to seeing you all next week. Might be a rough week for you. I, 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 I'd agree with you there, too. <laughs> I'm going to go with DJ, man. You might want to take next week off, buddy. Might want to take next week off. <laughs> There's a few of those. Uh, uh. But that's how I be. That's how I be. Um, Indy at San Diego. Um, man, I'm I'm still I'm still getting a little worried, a little worried for Andrew. But Andrew always happens to pull yeah, the pull, to pull some magic out at, at the at the last minute. Um, I don't know these teams, two of the same really. Nothing, nothing much to say to say about this game. Ty Hilton went crazy. The, this is almost – you rarely ever want to say football is a, you know, a quarterback versus quarterback. This really, I feel, was like Philip Rivers versus Angelo because, like, both of these teams aren't good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's I'm trying like, to find something to say about this game, man. It's really like Philip Rivers versus Andrew Luck. Like, it's not much else going going on. For I feel like neither one of these teams have much going for them. I mean, go up, go up on there, DJ. Andrew Luck got 3.6 yards of carry out of his backfield, and Phillip Rivers got 2.2. You know, I, I feel like both of these guys uh, spent a lot of time running running for their life in this game. Neither one of these offensive lines are great. Um, I feel like Melvin Gordon is a better running back at this point in his career than Frank Gore is, but they ran the ball more on the other side. I, you know, I, Frank Gore, to, to, no, to piggyback on that, because I, I, I wasn't watching this whole game, but it was on. Every every time I looked over, Frank Gore ran hard, man. He's always gonna run hard. I'm like, he's I'm always like, this gonna age, run hard. The way he's running, like he's, he's, he's I was impressed. He's always gonna run hard. I mean, he was he wasn't a burner in his in his prime, so he's not gonna be a burner now. Right. He, he always is, is gonna run hard. But um, you know that that Indianapolis team just not that talented at all. And and San Diego right there with them. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, um, is that all of them? No, uh, Pitt Philly. We, we talked about that Bears, one. Cowboys. Okay. Bears, Cowboys. Bears, Cowboys. Prescott looks good still. 
Prescott. That, Cowboys look good. good. Zeke. Yeah. Zeke looked good, man. Yeah. yeah. He was running hard, and he was – we got a heavy doses of him, and, you know, everybody was starting to say, you know, oh, he's going to start losing carries to Alpha Morris. And what was showing to me is that even when they were up and they were blowing – they just kept throwing him out there. Yeah. That's good. Get him, get him them reps. I mean, he, 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 he kept going out there and he got, essentially, I mean, he got 30 carries. You know, they, they kept giving him the ball and he kept handling it. And, um, he looked real good. That was the Ezekiel Elliott I thought we were, we were supposed to see earlier. Still didn't get in the end zone. They took him out right at the goal line and let the, uh, Dunbar come in and get the touchdown and his only, only carry of the game. But that was the Ezekiel Elliott we were expected to get. That was the number four over pick overall. And um, the Bears, Bears is a bad team, man. Bears are bad. I mean, I stepped away for a minute, and I, I guess I see Zach Miller has two two touchdowns. But when I was watching, Brian Hoyer looked horrible. Yes, he did. And he still went up with two touchdowns and no interceptions and 300 yards. I think that guy started for five different teams in, like, four years. It was some NFL record. He started mm-hmm. for the mo- most amount of teams in, like, a very short period of time. Like, very, mm-hmm. very short period. In like, four years. I think he started his game for, like, five different teams right. in in four years. Um, that Bears team, all, all I can say, and that's one of the main reasons that while the rest of the world beats up with Jay Cutler and a lot of it is well deserved, he's not played on very good teams. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line that he plays on, now again, I'm not saying that, you know, Jay Cutler doesn't deserve everything he gets, yeah. but this idea that like the Bears, I think now the question is always, you know, why don't they bench Jay Cutler? And I feel like every time he's ever been hurt, we have our answer. Like they don't win anything when he's not playing. Right. You know, they had that one year where McCown came in and won some games. Other than that, every time Jay Cutler has gone down, the Bears are just non-factors all the way around. At some point in time, you got to make them a factor by your play. Yeah, but that's not, that he's not going to do. But you can't do that if you're not getting blocker. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's not going to happen from uh, from Jay Cutler. Um, then the New Orleans. Atlanta at New Orleans. Atlanta came out there and game. Atlanta came out there and did what um, – what we know they're capable of doing. And this is what Atlanta is on paper. And last night it happened. Devontae Freeman came out there and it literally, right there it says 10.9 yards of carry. carry, I I thought he had 20 yards of carry. (laughs) Every time he touched the ball, those, there are players on there that he stopped at the end because he was trying to run out the clock. He just slid. I mean, he could have had, probably could have had almost 200 yards. I didn't realize the the one catch I seen Julio had was, was, that was it for him. I know that Julio Jones Fantasy owners are pissed. Your team, your team put up forty five points, and same with the Matt Ryan owners. You get like one point from um, <laughs> right. <laughs> from Julio. right? Not they were just running the they they were running the ball straight down the um straight down the Rams' throat. I mean the Ram, I'm excuse me, the Saints and the Saints' defensive woes continue. Yeah, but they they want to blame it on Rob Ryan, Rob Ryan. And he's gone, and it's still worse. Yeah, if you don't have players, right? Then. You know, you're not going to have a good defense. They were just running up and down the field at will. Yeah. And it didn't matter which one of them they put back there either. And the, yeah. the two running backs back there together were just running, running like there was no tomorrow. And the holes were just ginormous. They were just right. running like there was no tomorrow. Uh, Drew Brees, still Drew Brees, you know, 54 passing attempts, 376 yards, three touchdowns. He's still going to be Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing with the Drew Brees, and I guess that's just what you sign up for. Is that balance right there? Fifty-four passing attempts to twenty-three rushes, whereas and though you look at Atlanta, thirty pass attempts, thirty-one. Yeah, I mean you're getting five a carry. Yeah. Now the other team's getting seven a carry, which is <laughs> absurd. Right. But uh, you know, five a carry, you got to balance it out. And I feel like so many times the Saints become one-dimensional. Yeah. And and 
you know, how many times do you watch a Saints game and next thing you know, as a running back owner, you'll be like, I don't think they're going to be running again in this game. You know, it's passing on all three downs. Right. You know, and it just happens oh so often. I mean, Ingram's 15 carries for 77 yards. Right. That's a good carriage. And Hightower's getting, you know, six a carry too. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, that, that is what it is. And but Saints, when you're, when you're, when you're down so much. Yeah. You gotta throw the ball. Yeah. Cause they couldn't, they couldn't stop at all. At all. Not they at all. They, at they, all. They, they, they couldn't stop Atlanta at all. They just ran up and down the field like with ease. I mean, like yeah. you said, you, you would think you hear 45 points and you come to find out that Matt Ryan had two punch touchdown passes. And I don't even count that because they were shovel passes. Right. They were shovel passes to the running back. Yeah. You know, so hey, that is it. Um, that was all for last week, right? Yeah, we we got some questions before we do the picks. A one, are you there? No. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, Denver at, at Tampa Bay. Did Boogie pick Tampa Bay? No, he picked Tampa. Bay. <laughs> oh no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the few ones we'll get right. Give me, give me, give me. De- you know what? Please, please do it. Please do it. <laughs> give me, give me due for a loss. They, they can. They're due for a loss. Tampa Bay's at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could talk about it. Too. Give me Denver. Give me, give me Tampa. I mean, give me Denver. Sorry. Give me Denver. Give me Denver. Miami at Cincinnati. 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 Indiana at Jacksonville. Indiana. And I would not be surprised if Jacksonville gets that. Right. Um, Jacksonville, I can keep getting me. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. I mean. um, Tennessee at Houston. 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 Cleveland at Washington. Washington, huh? Washington. How much do y'all wish um, RJ3 was playing in this oh, game? Man, this would be great. It's kind of disappointing. It is. Seattle at, at the Jets. Huh. Jets, Jets got to get a win. Yeah, they need it. They do. They they don't want to go to one and three. And like you said, when the winner goes to four and zero, you, you don't want to be three games behind them. But then, what are we saying about Seattle if they lose this game? Nothing. It'll be two and two. Yeah. Not the end of the world. Yeah. And they're still a little nicked up. I think Russell Wilson. Uh, I don't even know if they've actually even cleared that he'll play. So. I, I I think Seattle being two and two is a lot more feasible than New Jersey being one. Uh, the, the Jets being uh, one and four. Excuse me, one three. I want to pick. I want to pick. I want to pick the Jets too. But um, gotta go Seattle, man. Um, Buffalo at New England. New England. Okay. I'll 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 take Buffalo. For some weird, stupid reason, I'm going to pick against New England again. I mean, it, it's it's <clears> like <throat> you're taking the odds, right? They got they're not going to win all of them, so I mean, <laughs> but they can. Yeah, I mean, but they can. But I mean, I think you're just playing the odds at this point. Just like they're going to lose one of these games. You know, if I told yeah. you, you know, Brady's going to miss four, a best case scenario, just you know, they go three and one. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like you're just taking the odds, which yeah. which I don't think is a bad play. Yeah. Um, Carolina at Atlanta. Carolina gets back on track. So, wait, DJ, you checking the Bills? Yes. In New England? Yes. Okay. In New England. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Clarifying. <laughs> so, they're going to do what the Texans couldn't. Yeah, man. Rex Ryan, he believes in, man. Rex is this guy. Rex and Rob together. Who did you pick just now? Carolina? 
Mm-hmm. In Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come out. I mean, they, in Atlanta, I know it's rough. They got to they gotta win this one. They don't got to, but they should. No, nah, Carolina needs to prove. They don't want to be one and three. Yeah, no. Nah, Carolina needs to. You already came out of nowhere last year. You know, you know what I mean? The year before they, you know, they weren't, they didn't have that good of a record. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to come back out and, and, and fall, fall right back behind there. Yeah. Give me Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oakland and Baltimore. They're here. They're here. Give me Baltimore. Oakland should win that game, but give me Baltimore. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like Baltimore is for, is a foreign old team. No. And, and as good as Oakland is, I mean, I don't think Oakland's a three and one team either. One of them has to one be of true. them has to be true. You took Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Baltimore at home. Oakland traveling across the country. Yeah. Is that a one o'clock game? One o'clock game. One o'clock game. That's eleven o'clock their time. That makes a difference. Yeah. I'll take. I don't want. I don't want to deal with all. Being three and one, you should have saw him. You should have saw him at two and one on on Sunday. Of course, why? What else you got? I don't want to deal with his three and one. USC ain't cheering for Oakland in ten years. I mean, he's got to get it in now. I also don't want to want Baltimore team. Sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Give me, give me Oakland, man. Just to, just to be different. Definitely get you. Yeah, get me behind. Yeah, absolutely. Detroit at Chicago. Hey, one, you got those picks? You gave me Baltimore. Um, Detroit and Chicago. Give me Detroit. Yeah, give me Detroit. Um, LA and Arizona. Arizona. You want a little boogie? Nope. I don't know we got that. We had a couple ones. Arizona. New Orleans at San Diego. I'll take New Orleans. I'll take New Orleans. They're only three? Yeah. Yeah. Dallas at San Francisco. Dallas. We just get the twenty gap at Kansas City at Pittsburgh. 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 And um, in New York at Minnesota. Ooh. Minnesota might be on to something, bro. Minnesota might be on to something, man. At home. Give me give me give me Minnesota. Might be on something. That defense. They, they just didn't do a whole lot to win this week. We didn't get to win. Throw the ball. Do for more 50. Rain for 58. Give me the Giants. Doubles. Y'all got them going 60. You can pick against, uh, you can pick against New England in New England. God forbid you pick against the Giants on the road. Right. That would be just Giants crazy. Have, Giants have Eli. The England guy, you know, get Missy State. Yeah, he's hurt too. Is that all of them? Was that the you guys at the Monday night game? Yeah, with a Monday night game. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, no. A1, any questions? Anything? Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this week's show. It's been a pleasure, as always. Um, if you missed the show, if you missed the beginning of the show and you want to go back and catch it, the whole show is available on mine, the Player's Voice Facebook page, as well as Demar Johnson's Facebook page. 
Um, you can catch the show on iTunes, Players Voice. Uh, just type in Players Voice the Barbershop as well on iTunes. That's I, I, the TuneIn app and Google Play. Um, so if you miss the show, make sure you go back on there and download, click, and listen. We appreciate everybody for listening in, tuning in, making it a great show. Uh, Leonard, I saw you join in late and uh, get some questions in there. Appreciate it. Jesse um, Black was on the show earlier. Everybody who listened in and, tr- and, and, and got a chance to comment, I saw you, um, Kyle. Appreciate all you guys' support, and uh, we'll see you guys all next week. <laughs>